Hey there, everybody. Welcome to a special episode of Pixel It. When I say special, I mean not very special, just a little bit of specialness. Uh, Phil's not here. This is a compilation episode of bonus episodes that we did this year. And we're going to be doing a lot more bonus episodes next year. Don't you worry, patrons. We will be getting those bonus episodes out to you. But these are the bonus episodes we were able to do this year. Uh, we got two sets. We got the Zelda, uh, reviewing the first four episodes of the Zelda animated series. And the second set is is our games of the year from 1997. So this episode's gonna run pretty long. Um, currently, Phil is at home with his baby boy. Uh, mother and son are doing exceptionally well. Uh, just really, really happy for Phil and uh, looking forward to when he is able to get back in the saddle with me and uh, really commiserate about parenting. Without much further ado, here are the bonus episodes from 2023. Next week's episode will be our regular Game of the Year episode for 2023. And then we'll start the guest hosting episodes. Uh, anyway, ado again. The much further, the, the more ado. Bye. We're doing this in person. We're in person. This is this is this is the first time we've ever done this in person. This is the first time we've recorded a real like bonus episode where yeah. it's like a bonus like after we would be recording. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like so I'm thinking of how we introduce it. Is it do I do the same intro? No, no. I feel where like I try to catch you off guard with yeah. the <laughs> If it comes naturally, you should. But I think it's it's one of those things that like I don't know, with the bonus stuff should be a little more Right. Lucy Goosey. Goosey. Yeah. yeah. So, hey, folks. Hello. Hello. It's the bonus episode of, <laughs> of, of the Pixel It podcast. Uh, my name is Kevin. With me, as always, is Phil. Hello. And uh, today we're doing some recaps. We're doing a recap of, of the Legend of Zelda animated series that was on in the late 1980s. It was late 19- Gosh, that really was an old show. Yeah, I'm. It was late 1980s, right? I'm looking it up. Uh, we're doing this in person, actually. This is this is a this is actually a a neat little thing yeah. that um you know we have never done a, uh, an episode in person. 1989. Late. Yeah, that's still late 80s. You nailed it. Holy crap. Yep. All right, we got our episode guide here, and it's all on. Uh, it, this is all on uh, uh, YouTube. By the way, yeah. So anybody can, who wants to watch, they're fifteen minute episodes. If you want to watch first and then, yeah, join along with us, you're welcome to. Sure, yeah, totally. And the first episode is the Ringer. The Ringer, and uh, the Ringer was written by Bob Forward. I love that name. Bob. It's a good name. It's, it's like a, a name. stage name. Bob. It can't be his real name. I wonder. I wonder. That's a. That is a. Yeah. That's like saying your name is you know mark generic or something but also like why would you pick that name i don't know it like i said it sounds like a stage name i don't i don't fully i am bob forward maybe bob it's because forward. that's how his characters act which is very forward <laughs> yeah well yes if he had anything to do based on this first episode with the the general inclinations of our protagonist yeah and, and one of our other supporting characters then yes, then Bob Horney might have been. A Bob Horney name. might have been more appropriate. <laughs> Phil, can you tell me? You looked up who Bob Forward is. Yeah. What did he do? What was he? What was his gist? Dude, Bob Forward actually was involved in a lot of 
the classic 80s and 90s cartoons. Not only did he write for The Legend of Zelda, he wrote for He-Man, he wrote for She-Ra, he wrote for G.I. Joe. Uh, all of You name a toy line, basically, uh, that came out in the 80s and 90s, and he wrote the cartoon that it was based on. Mr. Forward. Yep. He, he And he's still working. Like, he, he would, I think the last thing he was doing was a netflix cartoon in 2019 oh wow yeah so he he's he's still out there and kicking and producing stuff that's wild yeah yeah so i, I this is actually some serious pedigree still, uh still for the, writing for the some age. vaguely horny characters Vague, in 2019 he has to be right <laughs> oh, God. um yeah so the goal of these episodes is to keep it tight. So uh, we're going to... That's we're gonna, the way Bob Forward wants that's it. That's the way Bob Forward, Bob Forward likes it tight. He likes it tight. Because uh, in The Ringer, uh, we start with Link, uh, and he has no pants on. No pants. He is, he is waking up, and he has got no pants. Uh, at this point, we're like, why? Yeah. And when does this take place? And we've decided that it has to be some, like, in between Zelda 1 and 2. Yeah, It's kind of yeah. like the vibe. Because he starts complaining about, like, he used to be an adventure, and now he's kind of a kept hero. He's and... a kept man. Yeah, kept yeah. And I gotta say, you know, I know you already brought it up, but the, the, the pantslessness, uh, it's just that, it's not that it exposes anything. It's just, you know, when you see a movie or something yeah. or, or bless you, if it's happened in real life and you see a woman walking around in a man's collared shirt, sure. it's very sexy and it's short enough that you got to, there would have been something very natural about Link wearing nothing but another man's collared shirt sure. in that moment. Yeah. I don't know if that means that Link is, is, is like you know, twink golden boy or whatnot. Uh, actually, he could be he kind of is, isn't kind he? Of is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no matter what universe you're talking about, Yeah, right? but it, it, it's, it's, uh, aggressively forward. Let's say uh, aggressively Bob forward. Exactly. At this point, link comes out onto a balcony and he looks down, down Zelda's dress. Yep. Uh, at the boobies and whistles at her. Yeah. And uh, she's like, oh, you creep or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> he says and, something about like, you look great from up here. You look great from up here, Zelda. It's, it's like real construction worker sex yeah. pest shit. It's yeah. crazy. He's a construction worker in this oh, yeah. universe. And then you have Sprite, who is a fairy character, mm -hmm. who is like, oh, Zelda's the worst. She's like... Or Zelda's handmaiden or something. Something, But also yeah. hates Zelda. She hates her She because she, she wants to fuck Link. She really does. She really wants Link. There is nothing... Uh, it's it's very... It does... It, it's right on the nose in, oh, yeah. in how you can't miss the subtext here. So much so that it's basically text. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's it's spelled out for you in big pink balloon letters. You could only miss it if you were a child yeah. watching it. <laughs> which, which, yeah. And even then, the child would be like, I'm getting some weird vibes off of that fairy. Yeah, Anybody exactly. Else? Okay. So, yeah. Um, the, the Moblins attack. Um, oh, uh, by the way, in between now and then, we get, and you decided to start counting them as yes. we were watching these episodes. We got our first, uh... Excuse me, princess. Excuse me, princess. We got our first one of those, and I said, I've got to do a tracker, right? Like, yeah. i got to keep counting these. So that's our number one excuse That's number me, one. That's the first ding. Our first EMP. Uh, <laughs> excuse me, princess, an EMP. Uh, the Moblins attack. 
Uh, Link kills them. The Moblins are trying to steal the Triforce of Wisdom because, uh, of course, they are. Sure. Uh, and, and the Triforce of Wisdom is just in his bedroom. It's I in guess. his bedroom, by yeah. the way. It's There's no other security features in the castle. And the wind, you pointed out, the window's always open. Like, the, And they come constantly. in through the window all, all the time. All the time. They never learn their lesson. That's the major endpoint of attack is, <laughs> is Link's bedroom window, which he doesn't close because nope. it's a beautiful day outside. It, it, yes, it's a beautiful day outside. <laughs> it's, a, it's so beautiful. Oh my God. They they literally point that out. I, I, so. Link points it out and Ganon points it out. And Ganon points it out later. <laughs> it's great. It's like 75 degrees. Like, this is fantastic. I wear shorts. It's oh. fine. It's, <laughs> get the barbecue going. No, it's wonderful. Um, yeah. And so, you know, some hijinks happen. Uh, basically, there's like, there's like a contest being held at the camp. Yeah, at the, like a magic spell the, contest. The best, the winner gets, you know, something that, that's not even really explained. But there's all these wizards at the, um, there's all these wizards at the uh, castle. Yeah. And they're showing off their spells. One guy makes tomato grow and grow and grow until it explodes in yep. Zelda's face. Um, and Ganon is in disguise as, uh, the name of the episode is The Ringer. Um, and he is the ringer, basically, sure, in this yeah. instance. And he shows up um, just un- in disguise so he could sneak in and uses this opportunity to turn a lizard into a giant dragon, yes. which attacks Zelda. Nice generic, like fire breathing dragon style. Right. Like, we we've gotten we have gotten genuine article uh Legend of Zelda monsters uh so far, but this is the first one that's just kind of like I don't. I, what was? No, it couldn't even be that first dragon uh, in Legend of Zelda because that one had like a unicorn horn or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I don't think this one was anything in in, no, in particular. It, just standard ass dragon. Just a, your standard ass dragon. Okay. Um, okay. Standard ass dragon. Standard ass dragon. Yeah. Um, I think because it was just a a, a lizard. Um, so during the the chaos, uh, Ganon goes to steal the Triforce of Wisdom. Um, he is successful. I forget. Yeah, he, he gets he, it. He gets it. And he's able to start like running away. And then Zelda and Link are on his, on, on, on the trail. And there's this, and actually there's this moment where, uh, Zelda and Link are just kind of standing there flat footed with their hands on their hips. He's like, Ganon got the Triforce and he's getting away. Yeah. There's no way we'll get him now. Like literally goes, well, there's, there's no way we can get him. It's like, well, so let's not even try. <laughs> And then Zelda um, basically grabs a seed, grabs the wizard that was doing the the uh, uh, tomato explodey thing, yeah. and he forces him to turn the seed into a tree, which she then uses to catapult herself and Link in front of uh, Ganon, and then um, they they start fighting. They engage with Ganon's forces. At one point, they're surrounded, so Link decides to practice uh he decides to dip in the old uh uh uh, william marsden um uh uh, bank and and tie himself up back to back with zelda yeah he he straps him he takes his belt off and he belts them both together yeah back to back so that they because they're surrounded so that this will help this will help them stay back to back (laughs) just in case we forget just in case we forget 
this way they can they can rub their butts together. Yes, that is true. There was there was, they were touching butts in a very literal sense. <laughs> touching butts. Touching butts. Um, at this point, you might in the sh if you're watching the show, you you'll notice that Zelda is a lot more competent at everything. Everything. Than Link. Link is. You wonder why he's even fucking there. Why is he there? Yeah. She could handle this with just some like regular armed guards. Yeah. Yeah, and and, and not, she just leads and not deal with the the sex pests uh, yeah. <laughs> that she has hired apparently to watch just, the Triforce. Just doesn't seem. It almost feels like when he you know won in the first game. Yeah, he got lucky. Yeah, and she's just stuck with him now. Yeah, she's stuck <laughs> with him forever now. <laughs> anyway, they uh, they they uh, they fight, uh, and by the way, the the. Uh, there's a few notes that I skipped. I don't the I don't know when exactly these happen. At one point, Sprite it comes on to Link and says, "You like short girls?" That's right. <laughs> Jeez. It's just, and we were discussing this. We were talking about how on the nose the horniness from Sprite is. So on the nose. And then as we finish discussing this, we hear Sprite's character say, "So you like short girls?" And he just. <laughs> And Link is not into Sprite at all. No, um, no. The, the Triforce rhymes and gives really shitty, mediocre advice. Really? Yeah. Fortune cookie shit. Fortune it, cookie yeah, shit. Yeah. Um, there's a moment where Ganon is trying to teach a Stalfos how to fight. And it's just right. Ganon shadow boxing. Yeah. He literally says, fight them like this. And it's five seconds. It doesn't cut away of Ganon just doing a basic, you know, Back one, and forth, one, one two <laughs> combo in the air, and it's not like like this, and then boom, boom, and then cut away. It's like he does the combo like five times, right? And then we cut away. It's kind of amazing because this was the first, and we'll talk about these in future episodes. But this was the first of like several moments in this show where I can't help but feel like they're padding it, and it's only fifteen minutes long. Right. And because it's a very, like, five seconds doesn't sound like much. No. But I challenge you to imagine a cartoon of Ganon shadow boxing, it just doing the same one, two over and over. And then in your head, count one Mississippi, two Mississippi, <laughs> and see how long and awkward that is. It's so awkward. Punch, and, punch. And it keeps happening. Ripley's in. Ripley hardly ever gets to be in the. I know the room Ripley's, for the show. Ripley's in here, uh, kind of just checking out my feet. She, she's a. I don't know if I've ever brought it up on the show, but Ripley's a foot freak. She loves. Show, she loves feet. If she was in your uh, uh, YouTube comments, she'd be saying "show feet." Show feet. Show that's, feet. That's her. That's her. She loves it. So uh, yeah. So we've got awkward shadow boxing from Ganon. It just. We we got that they they deal with Ganon and Stalfos and all that stuff, and then Link refuses to unbuckle the belt. Like now they're face to face. Yeah. So um, and there's no doubt that Link has an erection. Absolutely, it's 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 like digging into her hip. Yeah. So um, hi Ripley. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and so um. What happens is like he's like, I'll unbuckle the belt, but you have to kiss me. Right. And that link, it's that's fucking coercion. It's and I know it's 1989, and in, in the 80s and 90s, 
you know, uh, media played real fast and loose. Oh, without question, with, yes. With consent and coercion and all that shit. I mean, uh, it's, you know, needless to say. Uh, but yeah, it's coercion. Sprite saves the day by saying, oh, you two look like you're stuck and like uses magic to undo the belt. Yeah. And Link was like, ah, I was so close very, to getting very openly like, ah, I almost I almost talked her into I almost kissing. forced her to kiss me. Right. <laughs> I, I almost had her forced. Ah. And, and by the way, and I don't want to victim blame here, but it is literally just a belt. It's just a regular ass belt. That's true. And Zelda seems powerless to defeat it. She seems powerless to defeat the power <laughs> of Link's spells. She's like, oh, no, the belt, not a belt. <laughs> Like she just well, she is Wonder Woman. True, and, that's true. And, and the binding, yeah, uh, uh, yeah. She she's binded by the uh, a man, uh, with, the man with big a big big quotes around that one. A, a, a man. man, yeah. Uh, I don't know if Kokiri are actually men or not, but uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, that's pretty much the end of. Oh, we got a CDI close up of. Oh, of yeah. Sprite, like, kind of zooming into the camera. Dude, I refuse to believe... That's the thing. If it weren't for the actual dates that this was made, something about that must have inspired the Phillips games. Because <laughs> you guys, if you guys have ever seen the Phillips games, like, they're, they, they, they get really in the camera's face, and they're melty and weird... It's exactly it's like that. that with Sprite at the end of this episode. Yeah. I cannot believe that's a coincidence. Not even a little bit. Not even a little bit. Um, but yeah, that's the end. That's the end of the episode. Um, yeah, and and that'll that'll do it for today's bonus. Today's little boner episode uh, for talking about Link and the, the the Legend of Zelda animated series. Uh, you, if you're a bonus person, you you already know what yeah, to you're, do. You're, you're Patreon. You're you're Patreon. You go go uh, double like us with extra accounts or something like that. <laughs> anyway, anyway, we'll uh, we'll talk to you later. All right. Hey, folks, it's a bonus episode. I love we're giving ourselves more freedom, and now we don't, we don't know what to do with it. I don't know. What, to, what do I do? What do we do? How do, do we I intro just... this? Uh, um, yeah. Uh, well, uh, welcome. It's me, Kevin, and uh, Phil's cat, Ripley, yep. and Phil. And me. I'm um, here. And and hi Ripley. She's just she's just she's gorging just, on the feet. She just loves that there's there's two men with with no shoes on <laughs> sitting in a room. <laughs> she really does. She's got a thing. She's got a thing, and it's attention and feet. Those, are, those are her favorites. Do you want scratches or something? She. I think she wants to. Cl don't let her. She wants to climb up on your. Oh yeah, I would rather you not climb yeah. onto my laptop. They want it looks like a nice warm space. Yeah, it's they, actually kind of cold right now because I'm not doing much with it. They want to wreck everything. That's really what it comes down to. <laughs> they're cats. They're cats. Exactly. It's all chaos and and pain. That's what they're into. So go hey, little little chaos goblins. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> so uh, welcome back to our bonus episodes. Uh, uh, we should come up with a name for for bonus. Uh, Pixel bonus. Yeah, we probably should. You guys need to help us. Tell us, tell us what, what we should the call bonus this. episode should be called. Yeah, we'll start working um, that into it, and and we'll we'll kind of we'll get into it, and we'll figure out a, an an intro for the bonus episodes. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, right now, we're still continuing our series with Zelda, uh, the Legend of Zelda animated series from 1989. Uh, that mm -hmm. was 
It was like part of the Super Mario Brothers Super Show, wasn't it? It, it was, was. Like on the same time block or something like that. It was something like that. I think they did it every other episode or something. Sure. And these were the ones that I remember me and my friends all wanted. Like we 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 were excited when the Legend of Zelda ones came on because there wasn't, you know, fantasy and stuff like that in the 80s was pretty popular for its age, but there wasn't as much of it as we would have liked. Sure. So it's it's weird. It's weird. Hold on. I'm going to find out who wrote this episode because we talked. I don't think it was Bob Forward for this one. No, this is this is Charles. Uh, not Charles. It is Phil Harnage. Phil Harnage. Phil like, Harnage. Oh, here he is. Okay. Carnage with the, but with an H. H. Oh, he's got a Wikipedia page. That's promising. Sure? That's a good, that's a good sign. Uh, okay. Uh, Phil Harnage. Uh, he wrote for Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids. Also wrote for He-Man, wrote for the Gobots, uh, Hello Kitty's Furry Tale Theater in 1987, Alf Tales. He also wrote for the Super Mario Brothers Super Show, the New Kids on the Block cartoon. No. Uh, excuse me, Captain Planet and the Planeteers. How about that? Uh, G.I. Joe, Double Dragon. He worked a lot of the same shows that uh, our friend Bob Forward worked I guess on. Double Dragon would have to be considered on this list as well. I guess it would. We're going to have to find that. Yeah. I remember that. I remember that one was because I remember Double Dragon had a movie and it was far more 90s grounded in reality. Sure. But, uh, yeah. But silly and dumb with some magic and stuff. But the Double Dragon cartoon was crazy over the top. I right. I remember that. Yeah. Sonic Underground. Oh, oh. That's what we were just talking about. Oh, which we've got to talk about, by the way. <laughs> Because we watched this, we've got that. I have this DVD of the Zelda cartoon show, and it's got trailers in front of it. And we saw a trailer for Sonic Underground, which came out in 1999. And best we can tell, this is just the Sonic TV show, but Sonic has a band. It's like a Sonic rock opera or right. something like that. I I can't I couldn't tell really. It's so weird. And whenever we're done with this, we've got to get into that. I I just. And then, uh, but yeah, uh, Mary Kate and Ashley in action. He wrote for Speed Racer X, uh, Crypto's Super Dog, Horseland. Uh, that one lasted for two years. Uh, and the most recent thing he wrote for was Care Bears Unlock the Magic in 2019. So this dude's still writing too. He did a lot of Strawberry Shortcake too. Yeah. Huh. And it is that's that's uh, code for cocaine, right? I think so. I had it has to be right. Like, yeah, the, <laughs> these guys. I gotta tell you, man. We talk about our writers for hire on the regular show, but these guys are these. Yeah, it says what is he wrote mostly for Deke? Yeah, yeah, Deke. Oh wow, I remember that. And uh, yeah, oh man, <laughs> yeah, that was what he was known for, and he's still at it apparently. Holy crap, these guys are just workhorses. It's amazing. Phil Harnage, not Phil Harnage. Phil Harnage, yeah, that's Phil. Mm-hmm. Not Phil Hartman. Phil Harnage. No, no, totally different. Totally different. Yeah. Um, so this episode is called Cold Spells, and um, <laughs> after the first episode, I have a lot of notes, but they're less about the plot um, yeah. and more about the dumb shit that happens during these episodes. As yeah, basically, Cold Spells it could be summed up with uh, Zelda wants Link to clean the castle because it's <laughs> spring cleaning. Yeah. Um, and she does it in a real devious way of like, she's like, she knows how to get to him. Yes. By like being like, hey, buddy. And she's like, 
She's being all a little flirty. She gets kind of flirty. She, and, yeah. And then she's like, "All right, clean the castle." And he's like, "Oh." With what? This boner and 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 hijinks ensue. Hijinks ensue. Yeah. Uh, basically, the 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 idea is that um, they're cleaning the castle. Link is pretending to be sick, for which he gets no comeuppance over. None whatsoever. Uh, by the end of the episode, um, Sprite is. Uh, gets cursed by Ganon yep. to overcharge her magic, and she tries to automate the cleaning process. It's basically Fantasia up in there. Oh yeah, it, it's it's Sorcerer's Apprentice. No question. Sorcerer's Apprentice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's exactly what it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She she's controlling. She's trying to control the mops and buckets, and and they just start beating the shit out of her. It's uh, it's ridiculous. At one point, um. Uh, uh, Sprite opens a door with her butt. Um, very like, like really rocking her hips like, to open the door. Really, like it's not, it's not subtle. It's, no. it's, it's a big, it's an ass swing. Just I, like, I want you people to understand that, like, it would be really easy for us to go full YouTuber and go, Did you see how she did it? No, like, this is not subtle. This is not meant for us to be like, overthinking and overanalyzing. This is real. This is real, people. This is real. This, this is not is a drill. Harnage wanted. <laughs> um, uh, the coolest thing in the episode is that Ganon has a pill bug mount. He has a mount. If I were still playing WoW and they had the kind of kick-ass pill, pill bug pill back, pill bug mount that he has, I would be doing everything in my power to get it. It's so cool. Ganon looks pretty excellent riding on it. I I was pretty impressed. I thought that was yeah. good art direction. I don't think there's an equivalent to it in Zelda, though. I don't think it's based on anything. No. Uh, it didn't look like it was based on any of the little, like, the... the it, it, it The closest thing it looked to, uh, similar to, was the, the crab, spider, one-eyed monster. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just in term of terms of general vibe. Sure. Sure. But um, it would have showed up in the same dungeon. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's themed. Um, and at, at this point, uh, basically, it Ganon distracts everybody with uh, Sprite's magic overcharged. And it's like the castle gets flooded while mm -hmm. everybody's dealing with that. Ganon uses his pill bug mount to climb up the side of a wall and get into... Uh, Link's bedroom, which again the window was open. Yep, <laughs> we, they they haven't they still haven't they didn't even close it. <laughs> Never closed it. I would have said lock it, but they, or 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 fucking brick it up, but they didn't even close it. And it's the second time in that episode where um where someone goes in through the window because the first time is Zelda is in Link's room. Yeah, and it's a mess, and a bird flies through the window and That's tries right. to attack her. And she try, starts to suffocate the bird in a pile of Link's dirty clothes. Yeah, she she true. It's like it's like <laughs> the end of one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Like she actually holds this bird <laughs> and tries to asphyxiate it in dirty laundry. It's it's amazing. It's uh, genuinely amazing. Yeah. Thanks, Chief. Thanks. Um, yeah. <laughs> And then, she, and then she throws a fountain through the window and escapes. That's right. It's just, yeah. Uh, that, well, that's why the window was still open. Ah, um, there, full circle. Full circle. Um, at one point, Sprite does uh, a Scooby-Doo stop in the air, complete with sound effect. But she is in the air. Like, yep. she's not on ground. I just thought that was, uh, you know, 
She uh, skids on nothing. She skids on nothing. Yeah. <laughs> on absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, Ganon captures them and puts them in a jar. Yeah. And he... It's like a giant brandy sniffer. <laughs> yes. You know? <laughs> and he can do anything he wants to them at this and, point. And that's what he did. <laughs> at this point, he has them. He has them dead to rights. And yep. then he summons the one thing that could probably do nothing... And that's the the crab thing with one eye. Yeah, and yeah. The spider, it, you shoot it with the arrow, and it doesn't eye. know what to do. He it literally just, has to instruct it to to attack downward. It's like, like go the, into the opening. Like <laughs> this is this is the second time in as many episodes uh, with where Ganon has to explain basic <laughs> combat formula to his henchmen. And you, I I I can't help but feel Going like maybe the, he's an idiot. The shadow box a little yeah. bit. <laughs> Show them what you mean, Gannon. Get in there. And <laughs> it's it's ridiculous. It's it's insane. And by the way, this is also another one of those moments where you start to realize, uh, and we we'll see more of this as it goes on. But you start to realize that Gannon's whole plan seems to be to inconvenience them. To yes, death. like it's just it's like if I can just inconvenience them. Yeah, it's it's it's. Legend of Zelda, curb your enthusiasm. That's exactly, yes. Yes, <laughs> without question. It, it's like, it, it, he does. He never saurons anything. He never goes, I've built this army of Stalfos. And, no. You know, no. He, he, he doesn't overwhelm anybody. Nothing. He just goes, they're cleaning, eh? Maybe that will be the perfect time to, I don't know, do some really weird convoluted <laughs> 1989 plan. Like, <laughs> these, are, these could be episodes of Perfect Strangers. It just happens to have Zelda. It's like, I love Lucy, except yeah. it's, it's Zelda. You yeah. know? I love Zelda. That's the extent of Ganon's plans yep. so far in, yep. in, in the, the episodes that we watch. He's, he's got an army of monsters, basically functionally immortal monsters. Yes. Because when we see that when Link kills them, they reappear in this cauldron that he keeps them so all in. Basically, and, and, and Ganon is the only one who can truly kill them. Like yeah. He can kill them if they, if they fail him. Uh, he can he can zap them, but that's for the bad guy to do. The good guy, yeah. no. The no. the good guy just zaps them. Just zaps them. Um, sends them back. Banishes them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's pretty much that episode. Uh, I forget how it actually ends. They they get out. <laughs> they get out. They get the Triforce yeah. wisdom back. I oh, do. there was a moment where Zelda could have gotten the Triforce of Power. That's right. And yeah. she's like with like about to grab it and Link pulls her away from it. And he's like, there's no time. It's and like, then the, the camera holds on that empty frame for like five seconds. A good, another good five seconds. And there was seconds. plenty of time yep. for her to just grab it and run. There was plenty of time, Link, you <laughs> fucking idiot. And I would like this. This is the first episode, and I think this is an important thing where we get no excuse me, princess. No, there MP. is no excuse me, princess, None. in this episode. So if you're looking for it in this episode, it's not there. Not there. Not no. there. No EMP. No. So um, we are we are currently standing at uh, two two EMPs. There were yeah. two EMPs thrown because it happens twice in the first episode. Yes. And and uh, and none in the second. We're pitching a shutout on it's true. EMPs. On EMPs. <laughs> so that'll do it. That'll do it for this for this episode. Uh, thanks for listening, you you Patreon friends. You're the best. Excuse me, Pixelit. Excuse me, Patreon. Oh, that's, uh, good. that's I, good. 
Is it? No. Rolling as well. Huzzah! 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 And welcome back to the Patreon bonus <laughs> episodes that... Did we decide, are they only ever going to be Patreon, or are we ever going to do a bundle? And you know, we might have to this? We might have to release these at some point, at but, some uh, point. but for now, they are exclusive. For now, they are Patreon. yours, uh, our Patreon friends and geeks and lovers and etc. Exactly. So, uh, we're back with a new Zelda, with another Zelda, and uh, this episode's called The White Knight. Yes. Uh... It's written by our good friend Bob Forward. Who I we, missed him. I, I missed, missed Bob, Bob. Forward. Uh, there's some horniness in this episode. Yes, just there for, is. Wow. Just for good old Bob Forward style. Can't expect um, any less. Basically, uh, Zelda and Link are in a town, and they're doing some shopping, and uh, we got some some knight dudes, uh, swordsman dudes that attack. They're some of Ganon's. They're the, uh, I think... Th it looked to me like iron knuckles or whatever. Yeah, yeah, I think it was an iron knuckle. Yeah. Yeah. But they had kind of a stony thing to them, too. So, Which, of course, the iron knuckle did. We yeah, the iron knuckle would hide itself as a statue right, uh, right. before uh, doing that. So uh, iron knuckles and an octorok. Which is fucking horrifying, by the way. The octorok is a little bit horrifying in this. It's massive. For a one-hit kill monster in the game. Yeah, like, and both Zelda 1 and 2, Octoroks are really tiny. They're, like, yeah. cat-sized. And then in, in the cartoon, the Octorok is basically the coming of Cthulhu. It really when is. It's, when it's coming out of the ground. It's crazy. And and, and they get kind of dopey afterwards, but when you first see it... The first it, time you see it, you're like, whoa! It's ridiculous. It's really crazy. So, um... Yeah, so they're fighting these guys, and then the Octorok is, has stolen a rupee from Link. A red rupee. A red rupee. And that's what, 20? 20. It's 20 rupees, yeah, I think. I, I can't help but notice that. I think I think Link is calling it a ruby, though. He's calling it a ruby. I feel like I heard him say ruby. But I could be wrong. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well. They didn't. They didn't. They didn't. For all of their use of uh, correct sound effects and stuff, which is so awesome. So many sound effects yeah. just taken from the game. They do a great job with that. It 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 sets off all of your your little synapses. Uh, yeah. For the memories of those sound effects. Uh, some things like that. They. It, yeah. I'm pretty yeah. sure he said ruby. All right. Well. Uh, the the Octorok steals his red ruby or rupee, yeah. And uh, Link decides it's a good idea to take out a, a rope and try to cowboy the the Octorok. <laughs> and this is not the first nor the last time that, in the true '80s kid show fashion, a guy with a sword just decides to go about things. In the most roundabout Just fashion. Absolute indirect action. Yeah. So he doesn't actually have like, to I'm, stab anybody. I'm going to break this Octorok. Right. <laughs> I'm gonna make this Octorok tame. He's gonna he's gonna try to try to make it tame. He's yeah. trying to make he just wants an Octorok mount, I guess. Yeah. Um well, I, I, who could blame him? But but it doesn't go the way he hopes. No, because any uh creature that is smart enough to understand the value of the currency that it is stealing is probably not gonna get broken by uh, a lasso. That's a really good point. Like they're actually <laughs> fighting over the money specifically. <laughs> 
<laughs> which you wouldn't think that that a beast would care about. No, but the Octorok think, apparently has got a down think payment on a home. It, you, I don't think yeah. you could see, simply call it a beast in the, no. in the in the monster manual at this I, point. I don't think. I think you're right. I think you're right. It <laughs> it has it it values currency. <laughs> It's a capitalist. It's a capitalist Octorok. <laughs> anyway, um, so he tries to, he's, he's getting dragged by it, and uh, he gets saved by this uh, this guy, uh, 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 Prince in, uh, uh, a Prince in White Satin. Um, it's true. <laughs> and uh, he, Blonde hair bangs. Blonde hair bangs, and mm. he's, he's, uh, he's very pretty. Mm-hmm. He kills the Octorok. Um, and, uh, Zelda is immediately all over him. Oh yeah. Zelda wants some of that blonde dick. She wants so bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like Link has done a fair amount of stuff for her. Uh, Yeah. He's rescued her. Uh, I mean, she does more of her own rescuing of herself that is in, the, true. in the animated series, but true. if we're taking the games into account, she rescues, she, she, she Link has done stuff for her. Uh, plenty, sure. Plenty. Yeah. I mean, at this point, he's gone through the entire first game, if yeah. our theory is correct. And meanwhile, this guy, Prince Visad, Visad, uh, which is, uh, I, maybe he, I, if I was to give Bob forward credit, he chose that name because it's similar to facade. Yeah, 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 or visage, or so. Yeah, like there's there's something to that. I think you're right, Ripley. For Christ's sake, hi Ripley. She's just she's just she's not being subtle anymore. She's our sprite. <laughs> she's not even being subtle. She's just like pet I'm gonna me. Sit on the keyboard. Or die forever. Is that gonna stop your recording if I sit on the keyboard? Come here. No, oh, that's a load. I got it. <laughs> she- She's, she's a little low. She's a little fat girl. Um, uh, okay. <laughs> so anyway, Zelda's immediately into this guy. He steals yes. the the rupee. Yeah. Well, he claims it as as he sees it, fair and square. He claims it um, because he- he's the one who killed the beast, even though I think it was Lynx to begin with. Yeah, something like yeah <laughs> and where did the fucking ruby come from that's great that's true i think he dropped it when he was fighting the the uh the the swordsman and then the octorok tried to t- anyway um <laughs> zelda and Vasad run off uh on a horse leaving link behind yeah um and we cut to this scene where zelda and Vasad and the king are like talking about like oh royal stuff and right, zelda yeah. is so into him she's got like she's got her cleavage out oh yeah she's Sh- shoulders out shoulders out yeah. she is loving this guy yeah and they're going full wasp here they're basically asking him where he summers <laughs> they're going full wasp yeah it's it's very it's very well we're royal people being royal together it's yeah it's very like the uh yeah the the country club folks in a 1980s movie yeah Talking Level. about Martha's Vineyard or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's the it's the uh, people who belong to the golf club yeah. in Caddyshack. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. Okay, so um, the, the scene, they're talking in the throne room and all that stuff. Meanwhile, up in uh, Link's room, he's taking a bath. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. And Sprite just comes in with a towel and just like stares at him. She is naked in the bath. Yeah. And he's like get out of here and uh he he says something like ah she'll never like a guy like me and sprint sprites like staring at him in the naked in the bath he goes you look pretty good to me from right here yeah 
yeah, it's wow. Like we didn't think that that Link could be beaten with the the sex pest thing, but we have a literal a flying sex pest, like a literal a pest. literal pest. It's it, it's it is truly bizarre. And uh, and I you know I was thinking like when she first comes in. He does pretty quickly try to get her out of there. Sure. Which makes me think that if 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 she, if he hadn't done that, I would have assumed it was like something happened. Yes. At some point. Like right. yeah, like like she watched or wrote him like a fire pole or something like that. And <laughs> she's only four inches tall. Uh <laughs> but you could still work with that. You just gotta avoid drowning her, that's all. <laughs> <God>. <laughs> <laughs> oh god um so link decides this link goes down and he's dressed up uh in this like you know garish prince outfit yeah like he all goes the, in all the plumage and the shit. plumage and stuff and he's he's he walks into the room and he um he trips over spurs yeah that he has on his boots and makes a fool of himself yep and zelda and the and uh, Prince Vasad and the king are all laughing at him, and he's like, "Man!" And Link, uh, Link quits. He, yeah, he he's like, "I quit. I'm done." Which you know what? Fair enough. Um, this is this isn't worth the room and fifteen dollars an hour. <laughs> we decided that Link could be a little bit of an incel. Right? Yeah, uh, yeah. You get a lot of vibes from him. You get about some that. incel vibes. Yeah, from you do. Guy. You truly do. Um, so uh, Link quits, and then. Uh, uh, basically, Ganon decides to attack. Then, mm-hmm. um, because that was all part. This is all part of Ganon's all plan. All part of, and he and he knows this prince, and he points out how vain he is. He's like, he know he's dealt with Vasad in the past. Yeah. He's very vain. He won't get dirty for anyone. Um, so he he attacks and he captures Zelda, and Vasad gives chase. And then what ends up happening is the the merman, what are they called? I forget. I uh, forget those ones. Uh, yeah, the, yeah. It 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 looks the same in in Zelda. It's and, a it's a Gilman basically. And, yeah, and in Castlevania. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's exa- I thought of Castlevania's Gilman before I thought of yeah. Zelda's. So yeah, absolutely. It, so that captures the princess. We get real sh- we get real shape of water uh, when he takes uh, the it takes him uh, the princess into the water. And uh, basically, um, Vasad won't go after her because it's too muddy. Yes, he literally will not go, and it's not that bad. Let's right, be right, real right. Here. But yeah, he he literally says, "Ew, mud," and basically, sorry, you're on your own. That's um, he won't go into the mud. Yeah. Um, Link is like, "Fine, I'm gonna save her, even though she doesn't deserve it." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh... Ooh, come do on, it buddy. or don't, man. But do it like, or don't, but don't, don't don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. You know, she did. She just wanted a beta. You know, like she wants, like, beta she, she wants to ride the cock carousel. <laughs> you know, she's lucky. Like, why she just she just doesn't like nice guys because <laughs> women are programmed to to sleep with as many uh, uh, alphas as possible. <laughs> and he just and he throws up, and you start to realize he's throwing himself up, and he turns himself inside out, and it's just he's just this melting puddle of incel on the sidewalk. And that's the end of the show. And that's the end of the show, in so many ways. In so many ways. <laughs> in other more literal ways. <laughs> Link saves her. Yeah. Um, and uh that's like the end of the episode, and she calls Vasada useless fop. Yep. And yep. throws him into the muddy water. Yep. I 
I'd also like to point out this is the first time we see crossbows in this show. And they they're pulling the string back on the crossbows by hand. Yeah. Making them functionally useless as a crossbow. So why not just draw them with a bow? I don't know. But they literally pull them back. You And they even draw triggers. There are triggers on them. Yeah. And they don't use them. Nope. I don't get that. that. That was honestly one of the most befuddling things in this I, whole episode. Phil really had to pause it for a it moment. It really and, upset and, me. It really had to, to get into the details on this one. On on what, what a crossbow is used for. Yeah. Um, Phil, what was the EMP count on this episode? Oh, oh, we got one. We did one. get one in this episode. One. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, that'll do it for this episode. Um. You guys know what to do. You know what to do. You know what to do. Yeah. Bye. Bye. All right. I am We're, rolling. I am rolling too. And this is another episode of bonus content from oh. Pixelit Podcast. Did I actually write any notes for this one? Yeah. No, it's the episode's called Kiss and Tell. Yeah. And we're doing Zelda stuff, in case you were wondering. Fourth episode of, of, Fourth of, episode of The Legend of Zelda. And then the, this DVD stopped working. <laughs> it really did. <laughs> I don't the dvd happens. quit uh this episode is written again by phil harnage yes yeah we get we, we're we're going back and forth with phil and bob phil and bob are taking turns mm-hmm. um so zelda it, it's it starts out as a zelda solo episode and yeah. she's she wants to she wanted to go on a picnic with link but he's like overslept or something like that and she's just annoyed and she's like well i could also have my own adventure yeah and she see she hears a woman screaming and the woman is wearing a dress with a slit that goes all the way up. It is Argentine tango scandalous. It is not like, I'm a, I'm like, this is a children's cartoon again? It's crazy. And she's also stacked to the gods. This is stacked snatch waist, yeah. side, high slit dress. It's... It's um there's a lot going on. There's a lot of things. And Zelda's like, you know, and, and Zelda's like, you know what, even I'm into that, so I'm gonna try to save her. She sure does. She makes a point of being like, oh, Blink Blink would have loved this chick. Like, <laughs> like, wow, okay, that's a kind of specific thing for you to point out, Zelda. <laughs> so uh Zelda goes to save her, and it's the three-headed uh dragon from the, the game. The Gleok. Gleok, that's it, Gleok. Um and Zelda fights off the Gleok by feeding it fruit. She sure does. Uh, yeah, she throws a <laughs> grapefruit at it. The middle one, she throws a grapefruit, and he's like, ah, that gives me heartburn. And uh, that's, it just br- br- breathes more fire, yeah. I guess. Um, yeah. <laughs> and then the woman is like, no, but I want to be saved by a, a, a manly hero. And she's like, well, you got me, lady. Right. Right. Um and Zelda uh, is fighting off the Gliok, and then Link finally shows up. Um, they kill the the Gliok, yeah. or two of the heads, and then send the send the Gliok back to to Ganon's little uh, glass vase of yeah, mon- his, his, his the, monster, his, his bestiary, basically. His, yeah, his respawn location. His respawn location. <laughs> um, and the the woman is like, "Oh, Link, let me give you a kiss." And yeah. Link's like, "Well." Zelda never kisses me. Oh so. yeah, he's he's like he's like oh finally a woman who knows her place. Thank goodness. <laughs> he basically says that. But then they kiss, and uh oh, the woman is actually Gibdos, yep. which is one of those mummies. Yep. 
Um, and uh, Link is now turned into a frog person. Yeah. And yeah. I noticed this. I, 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 maybe you thought the same thing. I noticed the Gibdos, the, the mummy, and this isn't a big deal, but they made it a woman. Yeah, and I, a woman mummy, and I couldn't help but wonder if they did that so that no one could accuse uh, Link of being gay. No, one hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, this is nineteen eighty nine. Right. <laughs> like, look. Yes, he made out with an undead corpse, but it has to be a girl. It has to be a corpse. woman. <laughs> first of all. Yeah. yeah um, first and foremost. So yeah, that happens, and. Um, and so he's a frog person now. Yep. And uh and Zelda is like, oh my god, what what what's going on here? And she kills the Gibdos by unraveling it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it fully unravels, and you don't ever get to find out what's inside of it because it dies from the unraveling, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It it dies from the unraveling. And then uh, Ganon manages to uh, so basically they're going. This is all part of Ganon's plan, of course. Of course, they're uh, Zelda and, and Link go to a pond. And she's like, "It's okay, buddy. We're still friends. We're still we're still friends. Still she's friends." Very distinctly it hits that button. And, we are friends. And then um, uh, he uh, uh, Ganon manages to capture um, uh, Zelda. She, he, he comes out, this little blitz attack, yeah. knocks Link out. Well, he's angry because he expected him turning into a frog would drive Zelda away from Drive him. a wedge between them. Doesn't and, work. And it doesn't work, and he's furious. And so he just runs out and grabs her. Which, you know, you would think the guy with the Triforce of Strength would stop, like, overthinking things. Right. You that's know? Not, that's not his thing. His thing not is his thing. overpowering. Um, so, yeah, he... he he does that. He grabs Zelda. He knocks Link out. Um, he leaves a couple spiders to deal with Link. Yeah, yeah. Not even, like, big ones. Like, literal spiders. Literal tiny spiders. spiders. These brown recluses will do the trick. The, that'll do it. <laughs> and uh, and Link, so, they're, so Zelda and Ganon are gone. So Link, as a frog person, eats the spiders. Yeah. Because he's a frog person. Um, end of conflict. End of conflict. Yeah. Uh, and then Sprite shows up and she's like, oh my God, what happened? And he's like, ah, I'm a frog person now. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, down below Ganon has, has Zelda tied up. Um, she's, she's lashed. She's handcuffed. Actually, what, what's the, why handcuffs? I don't know. I just like, realized like handcuffs yeah, are her, like, he's got her chained up. Literal handcuffs. Up. Yeah, they are like handcuffed. Holy shit. <laughs> it's like. Not rope. He's a sorcerer, first off, too. Right. So you think he'd have like, and you think the animators were like, "Oh, this will be way easier." Just like, boom, you're 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 frozen or something right. like that. No, he he's got handcuffs. He's got handcuffs. This and is a kinky show. It Kevin. is very kinky. It's a she's, kinky show. She's she's handcuffed to a very phallic object. Yes. Um. Yes. And uh, so she's down there. Uh, Link and Sprite are making their way down now. Link as a frog person is able to walk on ceilings. Yeah. So he was able to just kind of sneak down there without much trouble. And, and this is when we're, cause, and this is when I started to realize Ganon's whole plan was to turn Link into a frog. That's it. Like that he would turn into a frog and this would break him. I right. Guess. But all he's done is given Link new powers. Yeah. Like, and, and you know what? I forgot a quick scene in between these two moments. Sprite takes 
um, takes Link to see the Witch of the Walls, um, who is a witch who is literally a piece of wall as well. Yeah. And... She comes at when the witch comes out. Sprite says, "What is this ugly person's day?" Yeah, it's true. It's tr- like immediately. It's just and here's the thing: it's not clever. It's actually so mean and straightforward that I found it fucking hilarious. It was so just, just mean and to the point. So mean, and then so um, the Witch of the Walls is like, yeah, well, you need a curse from a princess. It's simple, and she's like, yeah, but and Link's like, yeah, but the, my princess won't ever curse, won't ever kiss me, yeah. and she's like, well, whatever. And then the witch goes back into the wall. Yeah, it, which which what was the Zelda that came out? Uh, was it for the DS that came out a few years back where he like literally turns into a painting on the wall? Oh yeah. Yeah. I think if if I thought that the Japanese gave two shits about the legend of Zelda cartoon show, uh, I would have thought maybe this was maybe that's some, some some sort of throwback to that. Right. Right. But I, I, yeah, they, they absolutely, absolutely do not. not. No. Good for them. That's good for them. Not a criticism. (laughs) So back to the underworld, um, yeah, so so Link is uh, able to rescue Zelda. Uh, they have a little fight with Ganon. Um, Bob's your uncle, um, and he's about to he's about to get a kiss, and then Zelda gets knocked away from uh, Link, and uh, and then and then Sprite kisses Link. Yes, and it works. And it works. I missed the line. Why does it work? We find out later. She says that her dad was the king of the fairies. So they like Deus ex fairy machida. That's right. Uh, him. Uh, like, like, so yeah, by the way, and she's the one who knew all that. Like she heard like only a kiss from royalty will, will save you. She could have done it all she at any time. Oh, that's easy. Smooch. And we're good. Like, like, cause I'm royalty. Right. Like, but no, she, no, she really, um, she really was not into the whole frog thing. No, no, she just 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 wanted couldn't, to couldn't she, deal with it. No, so no. It, it it was just nothing, not no help, no help from Sprite as per usual. As per usual, yeah. Um, and then um, yeah, it's pretty much anything yeah, else happened they, that they episode. Beat, they beat Ganon. They uh, they're walking home, and and Link says something like, "Well, I was supposed to get a kiss from you." But come on, don't you think I deserve one? And she and Zelda kind of goes, you know what? Actually, yeah, you've been through hell. Let oh, me, that's right. Yeah, let me give you a little tongue action. And uh, and and as she is, you know, bracing herself for the impact of, oh my god, I'm actually going to kiss this troglodyte. Uh, yeah. He sees a fly, and he reaches out, grabs it, and and eats it. Uh, and and she freaks out uh, as 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 I think most people would. Sure. And he claims that it was an old habit, dying hard. I was a frog. I was a frog. Sorry, I didn't mean to. And I'm not right. a frog anymore. But uh, and but no one wants to make out with someone with frog with breath. frog with fly fly fly, fly mouth. mouth. Yeah, that's yeah. Fly mouth. <laughs> it does sound like a person who smoked way too much weed. That's like, why the fly is not a fly mouth right now. The fly is not a romance film. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> No, 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 no. Uh, now we did not get no a, EMPs. We got no EMPs in this. However, mm. during the Zelda fight scene in the first act, uh, if you can call it that, that's right. Uh, uh, when she is dealing with the because they 
they refer to each other as another beautiful princess. Yes. Like the one says, oh, yeah, just we don't need any more beautiful princesses. And and Zelda says something like, pardon me, princess. Yes. And, and so it's <laughs> it's her version of it. And I got a kick out of it. And you know what? I'm putting that on the board. It counts. I think that counts. It counts. It goes so on the board. <laughs> overall, we are officially up to four on the EMP tracker. So if we checked by... By writer, it seems like Bob Forward is the only one who drops EMPs. That's a great point. Yes, Forward has been the only one to drop uh, these EMPs on us. Uh, I feel like Phil thinks that he's above them. Yes. Um, and, and he's trying to do his own thing. Right. The next episode, based on the alternating things, I feel like the next episode should have been written by Bob Forward. Yeah, we'll so see. So we'll be able to test that we will test that theory next time on pixel lit bonus we still don't have a name please just give us a name please 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 bye bye white claw turns you into a penguin (laughs) white claw when you want to be an emu (laughs) emus are flightless right Totally, yeah. And thank God, they are terrifying. Thank God, those are terrifying. If you gave them any more powers, they would, they would, they would ruin the world. Yeah. What are those? Uh, the the shoe bill. Um, oh, shoe uh, yeah, shoe bill. The real terrifying yeah. beak ones. Yeah. Those are yeah. Those are they're beautiful and scary as hell at the same time. Yeah, I feel like they could just bite my face off. Oh, God, I just can't. I'm just never prepared for when I'm like idly browsing my queue on Steam, just seeing what's out there. And the, and You're not it's prepared just, for the porn? Just unrelenting graphic porn. I'm not a prude, Kevin, but Jesus Christ. Oh, I know. I just scrolled down, and the top thing is Orgasm Simulator 2023. <laughs> I did nothing but open up my store and scroll down. And this was at the top of new and trending. It has 32 reviews. Like, come on, guys. Like, I, I just, yeah, I, I got to tell you, I, I hate to sound like a boomer when Guitar Hero came out. But if you if you're buying Orgasm Simulator, why don't you just go out and give yourself an orgasm? Yeah. Why don't you don't need. We don't you need don't need a simulate. simulator for it. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need simulation. You need stimulation. <laughs> oh, uh, gosh. Uh, we're recording, right? Yeah, yeah. we're recording. This bonus is a boner episode. episode. Boner episode. Bone, bonus. Uh, we're talking about favorite games from nineteen, the year 1997, yes. as voted on by you, the fans on our patreon page so this this goes out to you guys and gals (laughs) and nine non-binary pals absolutely um so 1997 big year in games uh phil what are you bringing to talk about what is your show and tell game today yes i'm bringing for best games in 1997 i i am a i actually told kevin when i selected this one i said i feel like maybe we need to rearrange this a little bit because it feels like blasphemy for anyone but kevin to be talking about it uh but i'm uh, i'm bringing up the curse of monkey island okay it came out uh 
on Windows and PC uh, in 1997, near the end of the year. Uh, it was the first. It was the it was the first uh, animated uh, right. version of uh, Curse of Monkey Island. It was also the first uh, voice acted one. It's very cartoony. It had been six years since the last uh, Monkey Island game had come out, and excuse me, the difference between the aesthetic of the first two games and this one was was crazy big, and I think that Huge. ended up. Yeah, yeah, and I and that and the talented voice work, uh, along with voice actors who would you know, voice these characters up until yeah, last yeah. I year. mean, Dominic is it yeah. Dominic Armado has been voicing Guybrush ever since. Right, right. It's just it it set a foundation for this adventure game, uh, and this franchise that uh, just hasn't let up. It also has uh, my favorite moment in any adventure game in history, which is the pirate singing, um, the song about being a pirate and, uh, the rhymes that they go through and guy brushes attempts to get them to stop. And they st- always find a way to rhyme and drive him <laughs> insane. And me and my friends literally downloaded the full version of that song from Napster when we were in high school and put it on a mix CD of sea shanties that we would listen to when we were driving around my buddy's minivan because uh, that's the kind of geek you're dealing with here. You were in on sea shanties yeah. like 20 years before it was a thing on TikTok. Yes, yes. Very, very much before it was cool. Uh, <laughs> I, we would, we, I was in an acapella sea shanty group and we would go every summer to Mystic, Connecticut for the Sea Music Festival. And we would just sit there and watch these old salts sing sea shanties and the crowd would sing along and and all that shit and we were the youngest people there by several decades sure and it was it's just hilarious that that has if you if you ask me like what's one of your geeky things that you love that will never see any level of mainstream success i would have been like probably sea shanties and it's like no incorrect tiktok made incorrect it nope that is that is a thing now true um, it's, Mystic, Connecticut, home of uh, of Mystic Pizza, mm-hmm, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, or at least the the pizza shop in in Mystic Pizza. Uh, yeah, the yeah. Mystic Mystic River, also. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a beautiful area. Uh, yeah. abs- it was wasted on a, a bunch of stupid teenagers like us, but it was absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> um, this also was, uh, this was just this, it did really well from what I can tell people remember it really fondly. Uh, it really got a lot of people's attention. One of the smallish controversies on it is that this was, this was, uh, the first one that Ron Gilbert was not involved in. Yes. Uh, that he had, he had left after monkey Island two was done. So we had a whole new team, working on it um but it was uh he liked it he he uh he talked about them being very true to the overall sensibility of monkey island and that sort of thing and 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 i'd agree um and it was also where the first rumblings of a monkey island movie uh would come Mm. from which would end up, I believe, I don't know if it's official yet, if anyone has actually like proven this true, uh, but you know, I, I, it's too much of a fun theory not to, to bring up that, uh, that it would eventually become Pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, mm. that, was, that was originally <laughs> supposed to be the, 
the uh, the Curse of Monkey Island or the Monkey Island movie. And when right. you look at the tropes and everything, and you're like, yeah, yeah, that makes it does. It does. I mean, Monkey Island already is based on a lot of you know old tropes about pirates and stuff like oh, that. Sure. But it feels a little specific when you look at the first uh, Pirates of the Caribbean movie, and it's like, oh, hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's 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 very funny but so it it did really well um it was a it was a big hit uh on uh on the pc uh it was actually a very 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 big hit in germany uh it was huh. it sold so many copies in germany in fact that people uh at lucasarts and beyond have speculated that if uh, Germany had been taken out of the equation, they probably never would have been approved to make another Monkey Island game again. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, uh, but uh, it, it, it's one of those ones that in its time it did well enough, but I, I feel like the snowball keeps growing and growing and growing sure. the more time sure. goes on. Um, yeah. What about you? What, what's, your, what's, your, uh, what's your experience with uh, The Curse of Monkey Island, Kevin? Because you're our Lucas I, uh, Arts guy. Yeah, I, I, I played it when it came out. Um, I don't have the same affinity for uh, the non... Like, I love Monkey Island, mm -hmm. but my level of affinity drops precipitously after Monkey Island 2. Okay. Um, uh, Curse of Monkey Island is probably the best... It was the best of the post-Ron Gilbert uh, Monkey Islands, um, and I think they kind of gradually went downhill from there because there's a bunch of other... I mean, like, there's... How many Monkey Islands are there? There's, like, three or four... I, in between Monkey Island 2 and what came out last year, I want to say, Yeah, I, right? I want to say they're in, in total six or seven, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um... I'll look that up. So, yeah, Curse of... I mean, it's it's a lot of fun. I feel like it, um... Uh, to me, um, I... Even in 1997, I kind of missed the art style almost immediately mm. of, um of the the pixel art uh, oh, i yeah. think ron gilbert what didn't even get to the end of making monkey island 2 before he oh, left wow uh lucas arts um so yeah there's uh and then okay the next one was escape from monkey islands mm -hmm. and then there was tales of monkey island which was uh telltale uh did and then the one that happened last year and then return to Monkey Island. So right. six. Yeah. Um, so uh, yeah, Curse of Monkey Island. I liked Escape from Monkey Island. I I did not like at all. Um, and um, I never actually played Tales of Monkey Island. Was Escape I, from Mon from Monkey Island the one where they tried to do the three D art and it looked really this, janky? I think it's 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 the janky three D art. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. I never yeah. played that one. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's the first, yeah, the escape was the first time it used the 3d graphics. Hmm. Um, and it was the grim, uh, engine, uh, which is basically, it was supposed to be, it was the, built in the same engine that they used for grim Fandango. Yes. Um, yes. Grim Fandango was the first game that dropped scum, which was their, uh, engine that they had used since Maniac Mansion. And, and Grim um, Fandango, like with that 
style of 3D art, it makes, it works. It was so stylized and strange and everything. It, it's, but it, yeah, it looked really weird with the, the character. It looked weird with, with Monkey Island. And Grim yeah. Fandango didn't, I mean, Grim Fandango had some of its own like wonkiness, but sure, uh, that didn't stop it from being possibly one of the greatest games of all time. But uh, <laughs> um, but we're not talking about 1998 here. We're talking about no. 1997. Grim Fandango came out in 1998. So 1997. Uh, yeah, I, I I have I I liked. I mean, Dominic Armato's voice. He then goes back uh, after being cast in this. They then take him and they revoice all of the other uh, Monkey Island games. Um, and uh, so that there's like, and there is versions of the previous two Monkey Islands in the, this, uh, I think it's this art style that they used for uh, the remake, maybe. Um, Monkey Island remake. The anniversary special edition. Uh, Was it? No, no, it's a totally different art style again. Yeah, don't like that one either. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nope. Um, nope. Um, so anyway, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of my experience with with Curse of Monkey Island. Um, nice. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, what what game did you choose for best games of 1997 this week? I I chose Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Okay, that makes perfect sense. Come loaded for bear with Castlevania Symphony of the Night. Castlevania Symphony of the Night was probably one of the games I spent the most time playing on my PlayStation uh, in 1997. Um, And we here's the thing is 1997 is absolutely loaded with PlayStation games. It's a crazy year in general. Sony absolutely crushed it with their exclusives in 1997 and we'll get the, get through them as we as we go through this year but for the this first episode I want to talk about Symphony of the Night which um I loved because I think one of the initial things that drew, drew me to it is that it was a Castlevania with um like some role playing level up elements Mm-hmm. which made sense. So we did not, I don't think we had Castlevania one on the NES. We had Castlevania two though, which is widely regarded as not the best of the Castlevania series. <laughs> I love right. it because I thought it was so cool that it was like nonlinear. I um, really liked Simon's quest. I really liked I, it. I liked Simon's quest. It had, it's nonlinear. It has some RPG elements, oh no, like, where are we going to see that again? We see it again in Symphony of the Night. Mm-hmm. Symphony of the Night gets a little too much praise in terms of, like, starting the Metroidvania um, craze because, uh, obviously, Metroid should probably get a little bit more oh, uh, sure. cut, cut of that. That And also Simon's Quest yes, <laughs> should yes, as well. Um, yes, absolutely. Because <laughs> uh, Simon's Quest is definitely... In that ballpark. So if you haven't played it, if you haven't heard it, if you've never heard of Castlevania Symphony Night, it takes it's a twist on the Castlevania formula. You do not play as a member of the Belmont family. You play as Alucard, who was last playable in Castlevania three. 
Yep. Um, Alucard is the, the half human, half vampire son of Dracula. Um, and instead of a whip, you use a sword and magic spells um, and also other weapons. There's a, there's a bunch of other weapons, uh, but you do, don't use a whip. Um, and Alucard's uh, mission is basically to invest what is going on at his father's castle, at Castle Dracula. Um, and he goes in there. Uh, he's going. He 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 in, he finds peep other people in there, kind of looking around. He finds a woman in there who's searching for Richter Belmont, who has gone missing. Um, and it's a lot of fun. Uh, I called it. I at one point called it an awesome simulator um, because <laughs> you just you just feel so freaking cool as Alucard like doing the shape shifting and killing things and and it had the amount of gore in the game was mind blowing for 1997 like there were the there would be those zombies that you would kill and you would hit them and they would just like spew a fountain of blood <laughs> when when you killed them um and uh then you uh you there's there's a there was an enemy that was just like a ball of human body parts just oh, like floating yeah. in the air. Um, so yeah, Symphony of the Night. Um, a lot of, it has the role-playing elements. It has all of the, like, you can collect this thing, and when you collect this power-up, you now have access to this area, which is a Metroid thing through and through. Um, and it has one of the coolest twists ever, ever in a game. In that, uh, when you beat the game, if you were playing it and had no idea, and you beat the game for the first time, uh, you go up and you fight, you find Richter at the top of the castle, and he's been possessed, and you beat the game, and it's like, that was kind of a weird ending, and it's like, it's a downer or whatever. And you go and you start, this is, this is like, the internet is, it's a thing, but it's like, who can you, what information can you really trust on the internet? Right. You know? Not like today. Not, not like that. Yeah. Not like today where everything is trustworthy on the internet. Trust everything you hear yeah. on the internet, kids. Absolutely. Uh, no. Um, so you, the ending kind of sucks when you, when you beat Richter. And it's like, eventually you find out, um, oh, there's another area of the castle I haven't been, been to. I'm like, oh, that's how you solve this puzzle. They're like, oh, I found these glasses Oh, what if I'm wearing these glasses while you fight Richter? You're like, oh, I can see an orb above his head. What if I destroy the orb instead of fighting Richter? Oh, he was the guy who was possessed by just now flew away. Wait a minute. Uh, I am jumping up into another castle. Holy shit. Uh, that was only the midway point of the game. Uh-huh. Like, I cannot stress to you how mind-blowing it felt as a kid a 13 year old figuring out that there was another half of the game that you could play through it it was That's it was insane it was amazing um so yeah castlevania symphony of the night it's one of my games of the year of 1997 and uh you know i i can't 
can't praise it enough. I know some people are mixed on it. I know what's his name, uh, Aaron, uh, uh, Aaron from the Game Grumps did a whole video uh, talking about uh, one of his sequelitis videos from like 15 years ago now. Um, it was like dumping on Symphony of the Night because it's got too much stuff going on in it. But I know, fuck it, I loved it. Um, I mean, I also he he that was about uh, uh, Simon's Quest too, wasn't it? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He I also talked about Simon's Quest. I will defend Simon's Quest to the end. I I know they're they're the they're, they're, most of the criticisms are well founded, but just from my personal experience and the world I was growing up in at the time, where. We didn't have the internet, but you had friends who were also playing the game and you would like share tips and secrets amongst yourselves like fucking, you know, like it was a gossip train or, or you know, lore or something like that. I that that to me is what games are about. And I don't have as much experience with Symphony of the Night, but there is no uh there's no uh, uh, way you can't recognize what an influential, important game it is. Right. Yeah, no, that, exactly. Um, so you ne- you never played Symphony of the Night? Never played Symphony of the Night, no. That is wild. I, I think know. you should go and play it right now. I'm going to have to. I, I, I didn't get a PlayStation uh, until Guitar Hero came out, uh, and, and it was just to play Guitar Hero, basically. So I... I <laughs> <laughs> I was never a PlayStation guy, so that was that was that was one that I missed. So yeah, I think is I it? need to find that. Yeah, I am. Is it is it available on Steam? I don't think Let's so. Find out right now. Excuse me. There's so many other so many symphonies. I mean, no, uh, there's so many. There's a lot of yeah. Event. There's a lot of Castlevania uh, stuff available on Steam, but. Um, so there's I've like, played, I've there's played the, bloodstained ritual of the night. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and a lot of the, uh, uh, Game Boy Advance ones, you can get a collection of those. Those um, I got, I've got those and, and the Game uh, Boy Advance ones. Yeah. Yeah. And the, and the old NES ones I've played all of those. In fact, I, I, I used to play a ton of Castlevania three. Yeah. Um, uh, the anniversary collection doesn't have it. Um, has one through four. <laughs> that is wild. You can find it on Google Apps. Uh, oh, okay. I guess you can get it on uh, Xbox Xbox's store. Yeah, that's a yeah. that's a bummer though. It's, it's not on Steam. Yeah, that's, like it's. That is a shame. I mean, it makes sense though because it's fucking Konami and they're all over the map on <sighs> on the stuff just, that they do. So I wish they would just make video games again. That would be really. I wish they would just like. Them. A lot, like just throw all, all the, their games up on Steam. If they're not really going to bother with it, yeah. just like, just get them out there. You know, passive income, motherfuckers. Why don't you just give it a shot? Why don't you try it? Give it a shot. <laughs> Ugh, these people. These people. All right, uh, <laughs> I think that's enough bonus for you, you boneheads. That's yeah. that's the ter- going to be the term for the bonus listeners, the boneheads. Don't hold oh, me I that. I'm not love it. Perfect. You like you love it, the boneheads. I love it. All right. By but, Barbie, but it, Barbie and Oppenheimer, World War Two, which is yeah, a, exactly so. Uh, so, you know, but but I totally World War II agree. is honestly the biggest IP of all time. It's it's and probably the best if we're being honest with ourselves. We're being uh, honest. So it's yeah. it's nice to see. But you're you're totally right. It's nice to see something that isn't attached to 
the fucking multiverse or whatever uh, yeah. doing so well. The, the, the World War II cinematic universe. Yeah. <laughs> That's happening. That's hap. Someone's gonna do like a weird fictionalized version and like just make a whole thing. Oppenheimer's just the first one. There's yep, gonna that's be. That's right. There's gonna there's be, gonna a, be the, hang an out Einstein at the end one. credits. Yeah, at the hanging end, out for have, the end credits. Yeah, you know, Winston Churchill's gonna show up with a with an eye patch. I'm, I'm I'm assembling a team. You know, just yeah, it's gonna be a mess. I'm assembling a team, and then he keels over from tuberculosis or whatever. <laughs> he had. He just drunkenly throws up all over his rug. I'll pay for a new one. Okay. I'll pay for a new one. I'm Winston Churchill. I don't know what he sounded like, but it was probably something like that. I think it was. I think I don't think you're far off. I think that's it. That's that's how they all sound, right? All the Brits. Yeah. yeah. That's how they all sound. Men. Hey, welcome to the bonus like. episode, by the way. Oh, hi guys. Hi. Didn't see you there. Hello. Uh, <laughs> today. Thanks for joining us. Continuing on our journey back to 1997, when uh, when video games were video games and uh, and ska was at the top of the charts, <laughs> was it? I don't remember. I was it probably was. Real Big Fish was doing well. I'm sure of that. <laughs> you know what? I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna check. All right, all right. You're gonna check it. Billboard. Check it. Top 10, 1997. Oh, well, that's all right. We've got uh, Candle in the Wind 1997 uh, by Elton John's number one. Elton John's refreshed Candle in the Wind. Yeah. All right. Yeah. You Were Meant for Me by Jewel. I'll Be Missing You by Puff Daddy. Oh, wow. Look at this. Unbreak My Heart, Tony Braxton. When do we get to an, to like a regular uh, rock-ish band? Is um, 17. I guess bitch by Meredith Brooks kind of counts. Yeah. Semi-charmed life. Yeah. Semi-charmed kind of life. Yeah, yeah. Baby. Oh, the freshman? Holy shit. Oh uh, my God. This we was a year. were barely freshmen. Oh my God, this was a year. This the was dip a by year. Freak Nasty. I used to dance to the dip. Yeah. Paul, Paula we'll get, Coles. We'll get back to video games in a second kind of. here. We're just talking yeah, about yeah. Our, our teenage Sorry. our teenage years. Sorry, are, we're, yeah, are we're reminiscing. You guys are gonna have to back off. We were uh we were making out with girls and and dancing with enough room for the Holy Ghost between us. Because <laughs> uh, that's how these things work. See yeah. when you get there, Coolio. Holy shit. Oh, that's right, because there it was like the year of like hip-hop people saying goodbye to their dead friends yeah um, yeah that's true we got we got heavy d with big daddy we got if you could change the world by eric clapton eric yep, clapton yep. who's a racist piece of shit by the way he is a piece of shit he eric clapton uh could have kept his mouth shut didn't didn't um but here's the thing. He actually kept his mouth shut for a long time because it ever, it, it like just, it bubbles up like, oh yeah, in the seventies, he would say this shit. It just never got real, any real coverage. Yeah, no, he would, and he would say it at like live shows, assuming people weren't able to uh, record it and play it back for anyone. Cause it was not as easy right. back then to do it. Oh, okay. Aqua with Barbie girl. Hey, there we go. That's relevant. That's relevant. And to we've gone this full year. circle. We've gone full circle. I'm going to see Barbie in the movie theater tomorrow. Did I tell you that? Yeah. I think that's how we started the episode. I think that's, yeah, that's, um, how, that's how we got started. That's how we got started. 
1997. We're talking video games of 1997. Uh, I got Final Fantasy Tactics. Phil, what do you got? I got GoldenEye 007 for the N64. That's a, that's a game that I loved as a kid and yeah. did not age well nope. at all. Nope. Yeah, much like, much like all of, uh, not all, but a lot of the great influential games, uh, uh, they don't always slash often age well in the slightest. No. Um, well, it's a first-person shooter, yeah. right? Yeah. And it was designed for the Nintendo 64 controller. Yes. Which you're really, you're, I mean, to quote Blade, some motherfuckers just are ice skating uphill. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was that was before the advent of uh, dual uh, thumbsticks. So you had the one. Oh, God, it was. And you could turn left and right, but you couldn't really go up and down. Not, 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 not effectively, you know? Um, so it really was doom style, kind of just mowing them down, um, from, from, you know, just right in front of you. Although you could get clever, you could kind of aim and do headshots and, you know, you had a silence PP seven and all that shit. And, and, uh, it followed the movie closely, but at the same time they were like, okay, well we have to make a whole level out of this. So let's add on a bunch of shit. So it's kind of like part of the James Bond extended universe. Sure. Um, I was surprised. I did a little research. I found out that originally it was supposed to be a side scroller platform game, huh? which I don't even know. I, I don't know. I don't know if there's even any information on what that was supposed to look like, but that's, that's what they were going to go for. Probably, you know, very yeah. regular ass games for that time period. But uh, I mean, this was a very big deal because this was, and not, not for the game itself, not for the single player. This was the game that kind of brought multiplayer uh, shooters into the mainstream because yes, we already had your Wolfensteins, your dooms, your quakes, uh, but that was, yeah, yeah. You know, All those were, and those were for the nerds, you know, those yes. were, for the, those were for, for me who you're like, yeah, I guess I can figure out how to connect to on the internet and, and, yeah. and play uh, a multiplayer game. No, this they, was they for were the college bros. to PC kids. Yeah. Goldeneye was for the college bros who mm -hmm. stole their younger brothers N64 and took it to college and never really um, apologized about that. It sounds personal, Kevin. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, it was that game where everyone played it. Every, and you would have four, the, the TV screen, if you had four friends, God forbid. Um, you know, first off, the N64 came automatically with four plugins. Which right. I don't think had been a thing up until then. No, it was uh, always PlayStation. Two. PlayStation and everything else was like two was the default. Yes, and the N sixty four was four, and then I think everything going forward. I have to check, but I think most consoles going forward went to four. Yes, um, yeah, the original Xbox had four. Sony, PlayStation two. What did the PlayStation two do? I think it had four. Um, no, that was I had. Uh, I'm trying to look at a picture. I think it had two. Oh, I thought it had 
before. Yeah, I had two. The Xbox did though. Yeah, the Xbox um, totally did. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I had the last console, I had this nice big blank period. It's where most of my blind spots in gaming come from, uh, where uh, I had an N64, and then I didn't have anything for years uh, until my girlfriend got me an Xbox right as we were going to college. So mm. I jumped a generation. I didn't have a I didn't have a PlayStation. I didn't have a GameCube. I kind of jumped a generation and panicked when I had to figure out the twin sticks and was convinced that I'd never be able to get it. Um, and yeah. Uh, but yeah, so th- but this was the game that like you know it would split the screen in four, and you. You know, you would always accuse people of looking at your screen and stuff, but honestly, yeah. <laughs> doing that doing that would slow you down enough that usually you'd get gacked anyway, so it wasn't worth right. the time to do that. And of course, anybody who chose odd job uh, was a bastard because he was like a full foot shorter than anyone else, uh, so he was a harder target to get. And uh, I have a lot of good memories of playing that game. Uh, just after school with like my friends and the boy scouts and stuff like we would sit around and play this game around our it was, it was i went to a, a boy scout troop that was military it was all army brats and yeah uh, i mean we'd sit around and play this game with our dad the colonel would have it no other way right yeah <laughs> and our, but our dads would be over something like hanging out and they'd be watching and going oh you don't shoot them like that you shoot them like this You're like shut up dad it's different <laughs> I'm James Bond. It's different if you're a secret agent. agent yeah, it's not the same. Dad. Um, yeah, it 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 was a truly uh, uh, it it was a memory maker of a game. Uh, yeah, and uh, but it was also it was incredibly uh, uh, you know influential. We we don't have the multiplayer experiences that we have today without GoldenEye 007. I'm I'm certain of that. Um, to the point that like when I looked at the full list of games that came out in 1997 before we started to do this. I was like, well, Goldeneye has to go in. And and sure. we were never going to like order this list like no. number one. Or something. But if we did, I mean, I would have to say that this would be in the top three at least. Just in terms oh, of Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know? I mean, a lot of people make a lot of noise about how like, ah, Goldeneye kind of sucks. And be like, yeah, if you look at yeah. it through now. Yeah. Like it's, it's not great, but... At the time, it was cool, you know? Oh, yeah. No, the only thing... It was it was totally great at the time. The only thing that was dated the moment it came out was the visuals. Uh, and that's <laughs> true of anything with N64. I remember N64 came out, and we all were going, why does everyone look this? This looks awful, you know? Because you went from 2D sprites to the blockiest, most rudimentary three to get to 3d. We had to kind of take four steps back visually. (laughs) You kids don't realize this. We had to kind of just deal with that while game designers. There's just some growing pains. There's just some 3d growing pains. And And we just had to to deal. Yeah. You just had to fucking deal with it. And by the time we got to the Xbox and the PlayStation two, most of that had smoothed out. We weren't really doing cartridge gaming anymore. There was a lot more room to work with. Um, yeah. But yeah, so uh, GoldenEye, 007, N64, easily, easily, easily uh, one of the best games of yeah. 1997. So 
I realized I, I'm kind of cheating because I forgot that Final Fantasy Tactics didn't come out until to the U.S. until January '98. Oh, sneaky! Well, I, I it's it's the it's a '90s. It, everything said talks about it talks about it being released in 1997. Yeah, and then it's like. In Japan, right. and I didn't realize that until I like just counts. now. That makes sense. It's fine, whatever. Yeah. It's 1997. Yeah. So Final Fantasy Tactics is um, one of my favorite games growing up. Uh, it had all the whimsy of Final Fantasy, um, but it turned up to 11. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a tactics-based game, so it's kind of like that 2.5D, like you know, isometric angle. Yeah. Um, but it it's probably, of all the Final Fantasy games, it might be the best written um, in terms of plot and and uh, characters and, and all that stuff. It's set in Ivalice, which is one of the worlds that they have, the world that they've come to back to most often in Final Fantasy. Most Final Fantasy worlds are like ditched after one game. Ivalice has been used several times. It's been used Final Fantasy Tactics, Final Fantasy Twelve, and I believe um, it's in the second Tactics Tactics game, and it's also in uh, another uh, semi. It's a, a, another SquareSoft game called uh, Vagrant Story. Oh um, yeah, I know Vagrant Story. Yeah, is also set in Ivalice. Oh, I didn't um, which know that. is like That's cool. Yeah, all set in the same in the on the same world. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a tactics game. It has a job system where you recruit characters, and they can be they'll be like a certain class, and then you can make them like train cross train into other jobs. Um, it it has a very uh, deep plot, not in terms of like oh that's deep, bro, but in terms of like. <laughs> It's about like, um, I don't even remember all the details, but basically it's like uh, this one kingdom attacked another kingdom, but it was actually a false flag to get this other kingdom to attack. It's like, it's very, it's like, it's like game, game of Thronesy, like Uh. complex, like, like kingdom. (laughs) And then there's the characters that are all being affected by it. Um, And when I was, you know. 13 years old i was like this is so cool oh yeah that's <laughs> gotta be mind-blowing when you're a kid <laughs> um and it has to do with like there's like a church in it and that's the that the church's like actions are like part of the the story and it's uh it's it's pretty neat um nice. so yeah final fantasy tactics um they haven't really done a whole lot with the tactics games i don't think since final fantasy tactics um i i I know there was a second one that uh came out on the game boy um had one on the game boy advance right yeah there's one that came out on the game game boy advance um but yeah there uh, and that's the thing is i was never i never really had a handheld handheld system other than like the sega game gear um, mm-hmm. so I always thought of like, oh, it's been like relegated to the handhelds. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. it got booted off the main consoles into the handhelds and that always that bummed is, me out when I, sadly, that is kind of how it was, uh, back in those days, even with things like the game boy, which was incredibly popular, yeah. 
you you still got kind of half-assed versions of of games you know it wasn't, right wasn't the full experience right um and w- same thing happens to the uh, game i talked about last week was uh, symphony of the night where uh the games that konami made that were like symphony of the night the castlevania games after that they were all Game Boy Advance DS type of uh, games. They were they didn't really uh, end up on the main consoles anymore, yeah. um, which I thought was was always a, a bummer. Um, yeah, so here we go. Um, there is there's been a couple Final Fantasy Tactics: The War of the Lions came out in two thousand seven. Um, Final Fantasy Tactics Advance was 2003. Um, so there's been a couple, but yeah, a little. Um, not not a lot of uh, uh, development in that area. Uh, the guy in charge of Final Fantasy Tactics um, was uh, Yasumi Matsuno, who's the director of the game, who prior uh, to making Final Fantasy Tactics had made Ogre Battle. Um, ah, which that is makes another, a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, which was another big uh, like tactics uh, game. Um, one of the things I wanted to point out real quick before we go um, is that GoldenEye was made by Rare. Yes, it was. Yeah. Uh, was that their first like big hit? Um, I don't know. I mean, Hot, hot Cider will pre- would probably be the best person to tell. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he would know. Yeah. Uh, he's made the videos um, on uh, and searching for rare is like nearly impossible. Here we go. It's rare. such a pain because it looks because like you're looking for rare video games. You're looking for rare video games. Um, what 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 have they made? List of That's... games developed by rare. I mean, they've a ton. They've made a shit ton of games. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, 1997 Golden Eye. That was one of the four games they made that year. Oh Good no no no! D- Donkey Kong Country uh, was oh okay was, yes was yes their was and Battletoads um, and uh, a few things like that. So yeah, Donkey Kong Country though I think was the big one and it's probably the most. Um, uh, it's the one that was like the most interesting in the way they did it because they actually they it it it, it was kind of like faux 3D. Because yeah, they yeah. actually rendered 3D models and then uh, using these uh, big workstation SGI computers, um, which because in the early 90s, that was the only way to do it is is these. I think they're SGIs um, The and then they would they took uh, like screen captures, basically. Mm-hmm of the models and all the diff- these different positions and then put them into the game. And what it made it, it made it look like on the super Nintendo, you had like a 3d, uh, 3d characters, which is really cool in terms of like the, the, the concept, you know, of, of, of doing that very forward thinking, but yes, golden eye 007, uh, was their big thing. And then the following year they released, Banjo Kazooie. Ah, um, there you go. Yeah. So, yep. Their uh, their main thing, and it's 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 weird uh, looking back, looking at them now. The main thing that they do now is Sea of Thieves. Is that's funny. 
They're just I mean, on that Sea of Thieves treadmill. I forget <laughs> how far back they go. Like, they've been making games since 1987, 1986. Yeah. And yeah. I forget that. And, and yeah, the, the idea that, that now they're basically doing that is kind of kind of hilarious when you think about it. Yeah, it is. Um, by the way, Sea of Thieves did, did drop that Monkey Island update, so... Yes, I... I uh, yeah, are you are you thinking you're going to be popping into that? I might try it. Now? Yeah. Huh? I was bummed that Ron Gilbert was not involved in the writing of it. Oh, um, sure. Yeah. But, you know, I, I might try it. Yeah. I would yeah. definitely like to hear uh, hear your take on it. Yeah. Yeah. I at least just need to hear the music. <laughs> oh, at least. At least. <laughs> All right. I think that'll do it. we've been talking for a bit. I think that's enough. <laughs> I think that's enough bonus for you, it's enough. right? You, you guys, you're going to take this bonus and you're going to like it. You're going to love it. Love it. I need a sandwich. Oh, my God. A sandwich sounds amazing. Bye. Bye. You know, what's his name? The guy who does the voice, uh, Ron Perlman. Yeah. Did you see that little clip of where he's like, what if we just burned down your houses? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's... Uh, He's Ooh, fiery. Well, I mean, I mean, I, I understand where that feeling comes from, Ron. But goodness, uh, <laughs> I think Ron can say it. I think he can get away with it. He kind of, yeah, yeah. He's what seventy six. He's gosh, yeah. He's been acting for a very long. I don't, I don't know though. Let me see. How old is Ron Perlman? <sighs> seventy three years old. Seventy three. It's like he looks. It's funny because he looks every year of that 73 years, uh, but he also looks pretty great. No, uh, he looks great. For, so. <laughs> I mean, he has he has the uh, leather skin, you know. Uh-huh. Uh, the man has looks like he has lived every every goddamn year. Uh, and he is. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. He is he is married to Allison Dunbar. Ooh. He just oh wow! Yeah. I didn't. God, he and Opal Stone were together for a long time. And, oh, uh, yeah. They could have had him play Tom Waits in something, but they're they're too close in age. So <laughs> yeah. he's got that. He's just got that, like. Apey kind of like caveman look, you know. I mean, I know that's redundant because he's actually literally played a caveman, but right, yeah, 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 yeah. I guess they uh, they've been they were split up and then he moved on with Allison Dunbar. Gosh, they were together a long time, they were anyway. Uh, Ron Perlman. Hey yeah. everybody! This Hi. is this is the thing uh, we're talking about Ron Perlman because I'm talking about we're I'm talking about Fallout today because yes. we're still in the year 1997 and we'll still be in the year 1997 for at least two more episodes yeah. I think little, yeah, two more two, bonus episodes more. yeah yeah and then we'll move on to I don't know, something else. Another year, another Zelda episodes. Who cares? Yeah, it's all yeah, bonus to you. Up. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'll start because 
uh, Fallout. You know, war never changes. That's what Ron Perlman said right at the beginning of Fallout. It's true. Fallout's one of my favorite games of all time. Uh, I played this when it came out. I was 13 years old, and the things that you could do in Fallout absolutely blew my mind. Like, I didn't know that games were allowed to do this. <laughs> I was like, you mean I can I can take my character and I could go go hook up with this lady right now? <laughs> that's that's a thing in this game. Uh, it sure was. <laughs> you could do whatever the hell you wanted, basically. You could do whatever you wanted. Um, did I beat the game? No, I was not. It was a hard game to beat. I uh, don't think a lot of people did. <laughs> yeah, the first Fallout had a timer on it. Uh, so you had to do, you had to solve the water chip problem at your starting vault in, I want to say 180 days of game time or less. Um, and like while you're traveling on the overworld map, it's like going from town to town. It's like, you could just see the days ticking off. Um, so (laughs) if you didn't do that, you, um, you lost the game. Uh, there is a thing where you can find someone to fix it where it goes and then it extends it out to like five years of game time or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then ultimately you're, you get the the actual water chip and, and save the day. Uh, but you're thrown out uh, for you're cast out because you've been outside the vault too long. And the people who, who run the vault are like, Ew, you're different now. Um, <laughs> you don't get us in our vault anymore. You don't get us in our vault. So thank you. Thank you for the chip. Goodbye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> More or less. <laughs> uh, but it was interesting. I, I, it, was, it was interesting. It wasn't, uh, it, was, it was one of those, I, it was an isometric RPG, CRPG, which kind of became kind of a, a big thing in the late 90s period. Um I was, uh, you know, Baldur's Gate and 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 Planescape and all those games. There's a lot of D and D style games that came out with a similar um, with a similar style mm-hmm. after that. Um, and uh, Fallout was was really my introduction to that world of of the CRPGs. Um, it, it, being able to solve problems in multiple ways was one of the neat things about Fallout. Like you, you're like, oh, you know, you could you could have a guy that goes in and kills everybody, or you could have somebody who just goes in and hacks the computers and turns the turrets on so that it kills everybody for you. You know, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, um, a lot of fun. Uh, and you know, then I would just like cheat sometimes and miss and have my character go to max stats on everything <laughs> <laughs> which was also hilarious because you just you, there's like an extra blood and guts perk which everybody died in their most violent way when you yeah. killed them so i'd have like my character who's like like super strong just like punch somebody once and they would explode <laughs> <laughs> uh, good times um <laughs> fallout was made uh it was it was <laughs> it was made by interplay uh tim kane uh who was the the guy who got it started basically he started it as a uh, a side project uh that he would do after work because he was bored with the stuff that he was working on and uh soon other people at interplay started helping him out he would just like throw pizza and beer parties after work and they were just like they did it 
I mean, it's it's one of those things that nowadays doesn't really fly because you're thinking about like, oh, it's a kind of like an abuse of workers and things like that. But these guys literally just hung out after work and made a game for fun. Yep. <laughs> like they just that's the, they just sat around at the office after hours and made another game. And eventually Interplay was like, yeah, uh, this is actually this is actually good. Uh, Interplay in this uh, case being Brian Fargo, who Brian Fargo's career is wild if you you know, look at everything he's, he's worked on through his career. Um, so yeah, Brian Fargo, you know, they, they all get it together. They give it the green light fallout is released and it's, it's a, it's a pretty, you know, well-known, uh, game. It comes out, uh, there's another one that comes out fallout two, Um, and then eventually, uh, after some financial troubles, that's when you get, uh, fallout being acquired by, um, What's it? Uh, Bethesda, Mm -hmm. who makes Fallout 3, which is the one that kind of blows the doors off the entire uh, franchise. Absolutely. (laughs) It becomes like more of a uh, cross-cultural phenomenon in gaming as opposed to people who are just like into CRPGs. Yeah, Uh, yeah. I think Fallout 3 was was the the moment it kind of reached a broader audience. But Fallout 1 is still my favorite and uh, it'll always hold a special spot in my heart. Nice. Yeah. So Phil, what do you got? Well, uh, speaking of isometric legendary game franchises, uh, uh, my game for 1997 today, uh, is Diablo. Ah, yes. Another very influential game. This is what I, I didn't play fallout, uh, when it came out, but I did play Diablo and, uh, it was, it's so funny to think how uh, commonplace the Diablo style isometric dungeon crawling loot uh, based kind of game is just it's so ubiquitous. It's everywhere now, uh, even if Diablo is kind of the, the the coke, maybe they didn't do it first, but they they did it best. And uh, but it was pretty revolutionary at the time. And I went into a little bit of the background of it. And because to be completely honest, most of the gameplay elements of Diablo have not changed in in, in like the 20 plus years. It, it, it's it's basically the same game. It just looks better. You got new classes. You got new loot. Um, but I, I, I dug up into a little of the background of it and I found that it was it was developed it first came uh, first David Brevik uh came up with it uh yep. and he was working on it uh after uh it was uh with Condor Condor uh games and they were working on developing it and they needed a a publisher and Blizzard had finished the first Warcraft game a few years beforehand and agreed to uh publish it but couldn't be turn-based, which it was at the time. They wanted it to be real-time, and it had to have some sort of multiplayer, uh, multiplayer uh, level to it, which is something they had done with Warcraft. So they wanted to expand on that with this new style thing, which I, I don't think he was thrilled about. He very much wanted to have a story-based dungeon crawl kind of thing. He, had, he was very right. into the lore and the story and that sort of thing, which must be heartbreaking for him now, because don't get me wrong. Yeah. We've covered Diablo on this show. We have. Yeah. But do people really know Diablo for the storyline? 
No. Not really. Uh, I've read, we've read two books on Diablo. I've already forgotten yeah. what happened in them. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, I did think it was really interesting. He found he uh, it was uh, they they one of the big influences was this game Telengard, which came out in 1982. Uh, and it was a computer game by Avalon Hill, uh, of all people. And it's one of those old ASCII kind of um looking Commodore games. Uh, and it's, but, but when you look at it, you're like, oh, I totally see this. It's a dungeon crawl, picking up different loot and just kind of making your way through this anonymous kind of dungeon. It's not anonymous, but you know what I mean? Right, um, right. And I think actually probably the most interesting bit of trivia that I found was that originally it was supposed to be a claymation game. Huh. Yeah, like if you guys ever saw Clay Fighter or something yeah, like, like that. Like Clay Fighters, yeah. yeah. It was meant to be, it, that would have been a very different game. <laughs> very different, very weird game there, yeah. And I I mean, I know it's just aesthetics at that point, but I have to believe it wouldn't have done nearly as well. Uh, it just, it, because Diablo represents, you know, when you look at Blizzard's um, portfolio, you know, uh, Diablo represents to me kind of the grimdark uh, aspect of, of their portfolio. Warcraft is it can get serious, but it's very also very silly and and over the top right. and campy. Um, Starcraft has its own, you know, space opera epic kind of quality to it. And, and right. Diablo was just real grim and people die horribly and, you know, angels and demons killing each other. And that's sort of, so it, the idea that it was actually supposed to be a, a, a claymation game is so strange to me. Yeah, um, yeah, it, it's 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 a fascinating game. It it, it really um, it's one of those great games that is a true bang for your buck in terms of being able to play and have kind of a different experience as you right. go through it. That roguelike kind of element to it, different randomized quests, different monsters to kill, different directions to go. And at this point, only three classes, uh, but they did a lot yeah. with those three classes. And uh, I love the creativity they have every iteration of it. I played I played a little of Diablo one, uh, but in college, Diablo two was probably the one that sucked away the most of my life. Right. Um, and Diablo two was the one that they just uh, remastered. Yes. Uh, a year or two ago. Yes. Because I think that's still like the best of considered the, the one that everybody looks at most fondly. Yeah, absolutely. And that one was just something that that was very special and, and had some good expansions. And the Necromancer class has never been as good since right. then. Uh, it's it's a thoroughly broken class and I love it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it is it was huge, of course. And uh it, it blew through all the gates almost immediately. Um, you know, whereas Fallout, as you pointed out, uh, it was a cult classic for its time. And now we've got nerds fighting over uh, whether the CCRPG version is the, the superior one or the or when it got into third person shooting stuff. Right. Um, and I think we all know the answer is New Vegas. Uh, but yes, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, this one, this one. Uh, blew the doors wide open immediately, which for any strain of RPG. Now this is this is it's an RPG ish, you know, actiony RPG yeah. fantasy kind of thing. Uh, yeah, uh, but for any RPG to attain this level of uh, fame and acclaim from not just critics but the audience who is playing it, it was such a big deal. 
It was such a big deal, uh, and it led up directly to uh, Diablo 4, which released this year, which I have not played. Uh, hmm. But I've but I've heard good things. Um, uh, yeah, I've heard good things. I have not played it. I have yeah. not really had the urge to play it. But I I haven't either, to be completely honest. I will get an itch eventually. I'm sure. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Usually, if it's that's the wild thing is if if something is something's not on Steam, it's usually out of sight, out of mind at uh-huh. this point for me. Yeah, a little um, bit. Because I'm like I'm not going to the other fucking thing. It's <laughs> I, I do wanna. remember when Diablo 3 came out for the Switch, though. That changed things a little bit for me. I, I believe sure. I watched the entire run of The Sopranos while playing uh, Diablo 3. That's uh, hilarious. So <laughs> it was a very good combination. That's amazing. Yeah. 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 I Because uh, I, I have the Steam Deck now. And if it's like, if it if it's something is good for the Steam Deck. And so, for example, we were talking about... Um, uh, in the episode we recorded just before this, which does not actually go with this bonus episode, but who cares? It was yeah. I was talking about how uh, 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 Fires of the Rubicon uh, for uh, Armored Core 6 mm-hmm. is already verified for the Steam Deck. And as of Ooh. this recording, it was still still uh, had uh, like a month out from release, uh, which is pretty cool to see, uh, you know, game companies being like, oh, yeah, we are behind the Steam Deck mm-hmm. all the way. You They're know? taking it real seriously. You love to see it. You love to see it. Yeah. Uh, you know what else I love to see? What's that? Uh, the end of the episode. Oh, good, because it's here. It's here. It's here. Hail Satan. It's a, hail Satan. <laughs> hail Satan. Hail Satan. Uh, put that in a sound bite. <laughs> And stopping. We're doing it, doing it. We're doing it, doing it. Is that? Yeah. I mean, the, the we're recording. Oh. Right. Oh. Okay. All right. Well. Cool. Hey. Hi, folks. <laughs> Welcome to the bonus land. What's up? This is bonus level. Yeah. Uh, we're still going through the year 1997. Sure. And. Are. Uh, uh, we're talking our some of our favorite video games from 1997, uh, and today I bring for show and tell a game called Outlaws. Now, Phil, did you know that Lucas Arts made a first-person shooter that had nothing to do with Star Wars? I did not. Okay, so. Uh, Outlaws was an FPS made by LucasArts, released in April 7th of 1997. And you are a marshal, U.S. Marshal James Anderson, uh, and you're out for vengeance against the crime, uh, the gang uh, that killed your wife and kidnapped your daughter. Um, It was... It's a game that was made on the en- same engine that the um, that the Dark Forces games were made on. Okay. Um, and it's uh, it's I don't know it for 1997. It didn't look amazing, right? Because <laughs> okay, yeah, by the time it comes out, you know, like Quake was already out and everything was every like Quake was kind of like setting the standard. Yeah, for for first person shooters at the time, so Outlaws felt a little dated with like the uh, 
like the characters were 2D, like 2D sprites, kind of like the like your dooms and your bloods and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I really liked it. Um, it did not get amazing reviews, but it is. Um, it was just a fun game, you know. It, you know, it's a it's an old west shooter. It had a lot of the neat touches that you know Lucas Arts would uh, would use. Like it had, it had a really good score. Uh, it had a lot of voice acting, a lot of voice acting, um, which included uh, John Delancey was in it, oh. um, who was uh, you know John Delancey's. Uh, Q in Star Trek. Yeah, yeah. He, um, I mean, he pops up in a lot of stuff. Yeah, he pops up in a lot of stuff. Yeah, um, and so you have like a sniper rifle, you have a shotgun, you can throw dynamite, and you have a revolver. Um, one of my favorite things about um, about Outlaws was like the weird. It had a bunch of weird little like Easter eggs in it. Like, I remember one time where you could just, there's like a mountain off in the distance. And if you put on the scope of the mountain uh, and look towards the mountain, the scope on the sniper rifle and looked out there, you could see Max from Sam and Max. Oh, that's like hilarious. Just, <laughs> just hanging out out there. Oh, that is fun. I like that. <laughs> and if you shot at him, his like eyes would turn red. <laughs> Um, so yeah, just like a lot of fun, fun little stuff like that. Um, and it it was a game. So my background on LucasArts is extensive, um, extensive. (laughs) When I was a kid, uh, we would buy the LucasArts games directly from the catalog. Like we would get the Lucas, we would get the Lucasfilm games catalog sent to our house and whenever there's a new one that I liked, you know, my mom would get on the phone and she would order order it and it'd be like, all right, it'll be there in four to six weeks. And, you know, it would, it would come in the mail and I would go up to the computer with the stack of discs that it took to install it. Of course. Or, you know, CD-ROM or, or whatever. But, uh, you know, the box would come and they'd be like, all right, I'm going to install this. It's got it's it's got like 12 discs for the install. That's some of you kids. This is some one thing you kids don't know with your nope. steams and, and, and whatnot is that it's sometimes you'd sit there for an hour just installing yep. the game by hand, swapping out floppy disks until yep. it was fully written to your computer. When you, when you see the big size of the boxes of old software was like that big, you know, big square thing. Early on, they were that size by necessity because sometimes you had 12 or 15 uh, floppy disks that you had to go through each one of them. That was before CD-ROM was common. I remember installing Indiana Jones uh, and The Fate of Atlantis, I believe, on like 12 floppy disks. It was way too many. I remember my dad coming in and seeing me doing that going, what the hell are you doing? (laughs) Because he had no experience with games. He didn't know. Right. That's just kind of standard. That's just what you did. I was like, you know? Dad, if you wanna if you wanna stop this, buy us a computer with a CD ROM, which happened eventually. Yes. <laughs> uh but Outlaws was one of those games. Uh I would not read reviews or anything for, for LucasArts games when I got them. And I think it's I think there's something that you um 
when you get too hung up on reviews, I think there's games that you ultimately end up missing. Yes. Uh, Outlaws would have been one of them. Uh, there was another game. Um, I'm, I'm trying to remember it. I think it was called Afterlife. Um, Life, Lucas, Arts. Uh, yeah, Afterlife. Afterlife was basically a SimCity-style game in which you were the architect of heaven and hell. Oh, like, cool. All right. You're, 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 you were responsible. You were designing two cities at once, one on the heaven side and one on the hell side. Oh, okay. That sounds did, fun. Did not get great reviews, but, uh-huh. like, you know, I I thoroughly enjoyed my t- I put a lot of hours into Afterlife as, as you know, when I was younger. Um and uh and yeah, so it's it, stuff like that is is what you miss when you get too hung up. Afterlife came out the year before Outlaws. Um wow. Yeah. See, that's 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 what it was back then too. There were fewer games um which is, you know, it, look, more games is better uh, on a certain level. Uh, but you had to narrow down your focus and your choices and your selections, and you ended up with a game that maybe you didn't have the best reviews, and by God, you were going to get some fucking play out of it. And you just, and, yeah. and that's how so many of us, especially older gamers, have these fond memories of games that, you know, oh, I love that game. And they're like, oh, that sounds like it was a really good game. No, it was terrible. It was a terrible game. Uh, but I loved it. You know, <laughs> see right. Simon's Quest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the fun things about Afterlife was that if you cheated too much, it would send uh, a Death Star would be sent and start blowing up your your buildings. <laughs> Because it's LucasArts. And, but yeah. yeah, yeah. But uh, Outlaws, it. fun game. Um, That's awesome. And you had never even heard of it until... I'd never until... even heard of it. I'm looking at it right now. This is such a funny style because, yeah, you've got these pixelated uh, guys, but the the uh, your, your, your character's hands and whatnot are kind of uh, cartoony. They've got outline to them, so it almost feels like you're a little bit in two different games. That's really interesting. It's got kind of a their outline. What do you call it? It's not not cell shading or anything, or is it? I don't know. Yeah, it's cell shading. It's like a it's like a cartoon. Like it's it's the the kind of like the cartoon house style of LucasArts, which is very based on. I want to say Steve Purcell. Um, okay. I don't know if he was the the artist who did it, um, but the a lot of the, the house style of a lot of LucasArts stuff in the 90s is based on Steve Purcell's work. Okay. Steve Purcell is the creator and author of Sam and Max. Okay, um, that that makes a lot of sense then. Okay, yeah. That yeah. makes sense. And he was he was an in-house illustrator for Lucasfilm Games and LucasArts. Um so I think even after he left, I think that style was still kind of the the standard uh for the uh for the company. Okay. That, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Well, that's really yeah. neat. Okay, cool. So what are you going to talk about? Well, uh, I am actually going to talk about Dungeon Keeper, which mm. uh, that's this one, a lot of uh, classic strategy game nerds like me are going to remember as being one of those first 
games where when you look at it initially, it doesn't look too different. You know, you're building up, uh, you know, your fortresses and calling on your minions and uh, doing that strategic turn-based kind of stuff. Uh, however, the theme is being evil. So you are a dungeon master and you are trying to take over the world with your monsters and your gribblies and your horrible traps and murdering heroes and that kind of thing, which was just something nowadays playing the bad guy is really not all that uncommon of an experience. Thanks to the developer of uh, a dungeon keeper on a certain level. Um, but in those days it was very different, but Peter Molyneux, uh, uh, of Bullfrog Games at the time was the producer and designer of this game. And it was kind of the beginning of that man's obsession with uh, playing with the idea of good guys and bad guys and 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 uh, toying with all of those feelings of um, of should I be doing this? You know, you don't have to be. The good guy, and that was a very big deal, uh, and it really ended up influencing a lot of games, which basically have come directly out of this. Things like Evil Genius uh, and um, Dungeons and shit like that. These these sure. games, which are clearly meant uh, to be a tip of the hat to it, uh, and that was, and I believe, I think this was my introduction to Peter Molyneux. Um, who is uh, an infamous game designer, if you want to say. Infamous game designer. Yes. Uh, uh, who Known for talking up his game so much yeah. that they and, never live up to the expectations. They never live up to the expectation. It's so, it's, and I want to feel bad for him, but it's hard. It gets harder and harder. It's hard, it gets harder and harder because he keeps fucking doing it. Yeah, yeah, and like, and he's I, not self. He's not self aware enough. <laughs> no, no, he can't hold himself back, and he's and he is God help me, an idea guy. Uh, yeah. you know, if you're ever uh, up for a job interview or something like that, and the and the person interviewing says, "Well, I'm an idea guy," turn the fuck around and head for the hills because uh, basically that just means they're going to you're going to be doing all the hard work. Uh, he's going to be talking shit up and expecting you to do the things that he tells other people you can do. It's just Elon Musk. It's all the same shit. And everyone's going to look at them as a genius and, and you're nobody. Uh, and, and Peter Molyneux, you know, has this wonderful mind for, again, just the, the duality of things. I remember being a big fan of black and white, which was another game he did where you literally play a God and uh, but the thing was, is it kind of was not good, uh, but it was, <laughs> I liked it, but it wasn't a great game. And because of the time period, it just wasn't as there just weren't as many options. And I was, you know, a student and mostly broke. So it was like, well, I bought this and there's no taking it back now. So by God, I'm going to play the fucking thing. I'm going to play the shit out of it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and also Fable, which that series, I absolutely adore i love the fable games even though they are not nearly the dynamic experiences uh that he promised there, there was a famous thing before fable came out that i read yeah. in the magazine and it got me so excited and he said how if you as a young hero plant an acorn in an area as the game goes on and you get older a tree will grow from that acorn and and like that's the level of control you have and he couldn't fucking do it uh no. and and the frustration comes from the fact that fable 
is a pretty good game. It is yeah. a it is a perfectly respectable, fun. It's got a, a, a action RPG. It's got a twisted sense of humor. The franchise has always had a weird sense of humor. Um, it they are perfectly respectable games. But every time they would come out, he would blow the lid off things with what a big change this was going to be, and this was going to you're gonna you're gonna control this world. It's like, no, and and it's just. It doesn't really do anything differently from what other games He's a guy do. that talks, he basically, he's like, oh, it's going to be revolution. He talks about, so there's a genre called immersive sims mm-hmm. that are out there that do some of these things that he's talking about. Yeah. Um, but he's always acting like he's inventing it for the first time. Yes, yes. <laughs> and, and just like, come on, man. Like, it, it's, it's frustrating. It's just yeah. frustrating. And, uh, but yeah, so, and, and, and this is what he's been doing for a while. Uh, and I don't know if people are uh, really all that impressed anymore. Uh, so he's no, I think, I feel like his next thing has something to do with like blockchain or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. He got all into that. And he got so, all into the blockchain. So and crypto farewell, for, Peter. Um, for, for a moment. Um, so yeah. eh, but, there's a munchkin again. Oh, hey kid. <laughs> We have What's to get that? her in every episode. That's how this works. Until Hello. we finally bring her on as a guest. Potato? Okay. Oh, that's foreboding. I don't like the sound. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so Dungeon Keeper uh, at least was a game that could live up to its hype it, because it didn't. he didn't promise the world uh, with this one. Um, and it, it's a pretty beloved, both it and its sequel are pretty well-loved in the strategy game world uh and more infamously the third one uh came out oh, as a the mobile menu. game wasn't there hmm. wasn't there like was i thought the third one was an actual release no i think it was a, i think that one was a mobile one let me check though before i three and it was like i am thinking of something else oh it was canceled it was canceled uh and and, and it's it, yeah the third one was canceled and instead they did a mobile game no, that was... No, it came out. Fable 3 came out in 2010. Oh, I'm, I'm talking about Dungeon Keeper. Oh, Dungeon Keeper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Fable 3. Uh, I don't like... I think Fable 2 is the best one, but... I like yeah, that yeah. One I thought we were still talking about Fable. Okay, no, Dungeon no, Keeper. No, 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 no. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, 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 Dungeon Keeper 3 was canceled, and instead they released a mobile one, which was a mockery of how fucking uh, uh, micro... Uh, 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 what do you call it? Um, Microtransaction. Thank you. Microtransactional, the mobile games have become. Uh, it, it, it's just, it's shameless. And uh, it really, really infuriated a lot of the old grognards out there who really wanted a new inclination, uh, incarnation of this game. So yeah. um, it's a shame. Uh, but... The fact of the matter is you can still, I believe, uh, Dungeon Keeper's still out there on GOG, so you can get out there and play the original, and, and it holds up, from what I remember. Uh, nice. So, uh, very, very good game for 1997. Oh, God, I'm looking at the mobile the game now. It looks awful. Yeah, it's not great. It's not great. It, it's like the that, that mobile game art style that is yeah. just like, like, it's like Warcraft, but turned up to like way too twee, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty bad. It's uh, bad. They, they, they put everything behind 
all the standard tricks and twists of a mobile game and uh and uh, people were pissed you know people yeah. were pretty pissed off so it it's yeah it's another fine example of of when gamers get upset over things that are actually worth being upset over uh, so <laughs> it happens now and then, uh, thankfully. Occasionally they have a good point. Every now and then. Every now yeah, and then. So every, Very occasionally. Very occasionally. Yeah. Let's not go nuts here. but, but Rarely. It, it does happen. It has been known This was a rare happen. instance. <laughs> so good on you, gamers. We're proud of you. All right. Um, yeah. All right. Dungeon Keeper and Outlaws. 1997 favorite games episode over. So we're over. We got we only and we got one left. There's only one left. Only one left. Only one left. Okay. Click. That um, one. I mean, that one's. There is. If someone would collect like an oral history of Star Wars Galaxy, I, I would read that because there are. That's always one that you hear these weird stories about. It was such a odd game like the idea for example of jedi and stuff like that like they really actually didn't want there to be a lot of them like keeping in yes. the tradition and so you had to like do everything but finger your brother to fucking become a jedi like it you was had nuts. to it was wild you had to get through every single tree skill tree right yeah. so like there was Here's the thing about Star Wars Galaxies. Kind of the way they set it up was that you could... It wasn't like levels, like in World of Warcraft. It was anytime you just get points and then be able to go up a skill uh, in the skill tree. Yeah. And there was like... It was so very loosey-goosey like It was that. very loosey-goosey. Yeah. There were so many skill trees you could go, you could go through, right? Yeah. Um, by the way, this is our 1997 episode. Hi guys, Wars. yeah, we're, we'll get, we'll be with, we'll be we, right we'll with be you. We'll be with you in one second. One second, just give us Hold a second. We're talking on about Star Wars hot Galaxies. Pants. We're talking yeah. about Star Wars Galaxies. Yeah, um, yeah. Star the Wars Galaxies. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's one way to treat the patrons and be like, shut up, <laughs> sit down, and listen to us talk about S- a game that is shut up. <laughs> not not on the 1997 list. Star Wars Galaxy, not on any list. No. Um, no, when nobody's were, lists. Nobody's list. I, but I played the shit out of it. I regret all the hours I spent in it. But yes, you could be a Jedi if you like unlocked so many different skill trees. And then it was like, and then a man will come up to you. And the man will be like, you need to go to this place. And then you f- f- went through this quest. And it was like only one out of a thousand players would randomly get this proc generated quest. And then you would be like, and then there would be a Jedi. And then like randomly you would see this Jedi. And then people got pissed because not everybody could become a Jedi. Right. Which, you know, that was part of the thing with Star Wars is not everybody could become a Jedi. Right. Yeah. Um, And then they were like Sony. So Sony online entertainment that made the game. They're like, fuck it. Everybody can be a Jedi. It's just a skill tree. They have to go up. And then I remember I would had logged out of the game for, for a while and I come back and just fucking lightsabers everywhere. The, sure. the entire yeah. server was Jedi. And I was like, this sucks. Like yeah. my, my dude who, so my dude was a pistolier. Like his entire skill was just being able to shoot handguns very well. Like a cowboy. Yeah. 
And I was like, well, I'm just this dude who shoots pistols and they can all reflect them. Yep. I don't know. Um, so yeah. yeah, that was Star Wars Galaxies for me. But yeah, I would I agree. I would be interested in an oral history of Star Wars Galaxies. That would be fast. Yeah. I, I I get it. I get I understand. I think there are a lot of instincts with designers to make those kinds of things where there is a um there's a rarity to it. And so you see someone with a, a lightsaber and everyone goes, holy shit, there's a fucking Jedi here or something. I, I get that instinct. That makes a lot of sense to me. Um, but you also have to, you know, consider in it this the aspect of like, well, but what's fun for people? What do people actually want to do? You know, it's right. How much how much grief do you want to put people through for this thing when it's just a game? Uh, and I think right. there are a lot of uh, points of view on it, but uh I think I think uh, I go back to Old Republic every now and then. Uh, the, I I think that's a pretty solid uh, MMORPG uh, in the sense that it's not even really an MMORPG if you don't want it to be. It, it, it is it still running? Yeah. Oh yeah. And they're hmm. they're making expansions for it and everything. And oh, wow. and you can play it single player. Basically, I did because I because Kotor and Kotor two are two of my favorite games of all time. Right. And. Uh, and uh, it's fucking slaps, man. The fucking game rules. Uh, every now and then I'll go, and you can like. There's a yeah. full. There, there are. There's dark side, light side, and there's four classes for both sides, and each one of them have their own like individual long form storyline. And if that's what you're into, holy shit, that's catnip. It, it, I I have to force myself not to play it just because I'll never go back to anything else. It's right. It's a delightful game. It's very very nice. Yeah, and it's free to play now at this point. So anyway. Anyway, 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 what are we doing? Uh, welcome back, everybody. It's uh, the final episode of the 1997 yes. series uh, on our best games of 1997, or some of them. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, we're at the end of our lists now, and we got two bangers for you. As yeah, we saved, we saved some of the best ones for last, really. Uh, I am uh, talking about a little game called Final Fantasy VII. Hell yeah. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> so Final Fantasy VII, uh, it's, it's you know what Final Fantasy VII is. If you don't, uh, why are you listening to a podcast about video game uh, books? Um, yep. Final Fantasy VII it was uh it was made by Square. It was released for the PlayStation. Um and uh it's basically about uh the end of the world um because people have drilled too much oil and it's upset uh meanwhile people are doing uh experiments on alien life forms. Uh, and uh, trying to like generate stuff out of that. It really hits on all the themes that we're talking about uh, uh-huh. in present day. You know, we got our global warming. We got our um, sexy. Kevin, I, look, sometimes games are just games. They're not political. They're not political at all. Don't make everything political, Kevin. Sometimes you just want a silver haired, sexy fuck boy with a long sword to well, stab you. I mean, yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> obviously, obviously, uh, but yeah, it came out right at the fucking beginning of 1997. Um, 
well, in Japan. It came out uh, towards the end in North America um, and then in November in Europe. Uh, but it is uh, probably one of the greatest games ever made. Uh, I mean, people have differing opinions, but that's fine. Um, I loved it. Uh, I like it less now than I did in 1997, but we're writing it from the point of view of me in 1997, not now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, the main character, this guy, old dude named Cloud Strife, he's a soldier, which not a lowercase s soldier. He is an all upper, all cap soldier, meaning he is uh, fancy. He's a special boy. Mm-hmm. Um, He's been training for doing things his whole life, except now he is a mercenary because he's out. He's out of the the Shinra army and uh, he's working with some terrorists, some eco-terrorists, because uh, the as Barrett would say, they're killing the planet. They're drilling for Mako and they're killing the planet. So we're going to blow up the the reactors that use it. Um. And it, yeah, it's a real big like parallel for like uh, the oil industry and and all the fucked up shit we do uh, in the in the name of capitalism and all uh-huh. that stuff. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, uh, it was also a huge game. I remember when I got it; it was you know three discs. It took three CDs to play the game. Like CDs were supposed to combine everything into one you're telling me i need three of them now yes yeah. you do you need yeah. a three it was like we just escaped the era of needing of like of needing like individual floppy disks mm-hmm. you know 17 floppy disks to install a game and then final fantasy 7 comes out in 1997 we're like by the way uh we've also we've started to expand beyond the capacity <laughs> <laughs> um it was also the first final fantasy game that broke into 3d um Prior to that Final Fantasy VI, which some consider to be the best in the series, um, was uh, Final Fantasy VI was the last pixel uh, version of the uh, Final Fantasy games. And then from seven onward, we're in a thoroughly 3D space. Seven, eight, nine, I believe it's 3D characters with pre-rendered backgrounds, mm-hmm. if I recall correctly, um, sort of like Resident Evil did. Yeah. And then uh, starting with 10 uh on the PlayStation 2 we have full on you know 3D uh the uh, you know worlds um so yeah 1997 Final Fantasy 7 that's my pick nice and I'm sticking to it nice yeah um well i'm going to get uh, uh, my 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 pick for uh, the final top 10 game of 1997 is actually what got us into our conversation about uh, Star Wars Galaxies in the first place. Uh, I chose Ultima Online. Uh, Ooh. Yeah, which was not the first MMORPG. Not the uh, first. And not, I think it might have been the first to call itself an MMORPG, but it wasn't mm. the first technically. Uh, and it wasn't the best one uh, by a lot of people's mind, but it's certainly probably one of the most influential of all time. Uh, it's right it up there was- with EverQuest. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. It's the most RPG online of all time. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. 
Oh, and, and it is very traditional RPG in that sense that the yeah. is, uh, isometric perspective and and everything. It, it's I and what's what's hilarious about this is it was really easy for me to choose this, not just because of its history and that sort of thing, um, but be, because the because I never actually played Ultima Online. Uh, but I played a shit ton of games that were so directly inspired by it. Mm. And it gives me just looking at these screen caps and everything like that. It just like, Oh, I see it. I see how it all happened here. Um, but yeah, it came out in 1997. Uh, Lord British as, uh, he was known, uh, uh, was the, uh, the developer of it. He was, the more you learn about Lord British, the more, the more there is just this, byline that connects all rich people and all tech bros <laughs> there are these little details that they all have they're all they all seem to be obsessed with space they all talk a big game but can't really back it up and and, and ultima online is the creation of that where it's just he had he he, he was not quite peter molyneux uh in his <laughs> ambitions with because so he wait, a lot of it off peter molyneux Oh, okay. You're saying he pulled it off more. He often did pull than Peter. a lot okay. of it off, not as much. I thought you were, but... were going to say he was a lesser Peter Molyneux. No, I mean, there's there's definitely some Molyneux in there. I mean, he he, he overpromised. <laughs> that's for certain, but not as badly as yeah. as Molyneux did. Um, but it was it was kind of classic role playing game style. There were multiple ways to play. Uh, it was dedicated very much to player freedom. You could be a hero. You could be a villain. There was a lot of controversies that surrounded uh, the choices of of PvP. Uh, this was before it was really common to have a server that's PvP versus a PVE server. Um, and People would complain. They're like, hey, I'm just trying to play this game. And these villain characters, these guys come by and they kill me and steal my shit. And uh, and they say, well, and and they would argue, you know, if you want to be a hero, that's part of it. You know, uh, uh, you're playing it. It's, it's similar to what we were talking about with the Jedi thing, where it's like on one hand, right. I understand that turning, if you want to play a, a hero or a villain, you can't just turn it off and turn it on. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's a fucking game. So, you know. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of, but there were a lot of different ways to play the game. You could adventure, you could play a merchant or a craftsman, um, you know, and it was, it was very, and this was very much in the days of people, uh, role-playing a lot, uh, with these games. Um, I remember yes. role-playing servers cause I played wow a lot. Uh, and I remember role-playing servers being, uh, Pretty active, uh, not not the most active compared to other ones, but pretty active when I first started playing that game. And then uh, a few years back, my most recent uh, dipping my toe back into the water of WoW, uh, it, like I don't even know if it's an ch- option anymore. <laughs> if it is, it's, it's, it's very minor. MMORPGs are RPGs in name only, really, these days. It's not yeah. really, you know, you, you advance, that sort of thing. Um and there are all kinds of weird stories. This is another one that if there was an oral history of this, and actually I did watch, um, I'll have to look it up. Uh, there was a YouTube uh, 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 video about uh, Ultima Online and the controversies that surrounded it and stuff like that. And and uh, it was really interesting. And there, there are lots of fun moments. Um, 
that people talk about, like, for example, Lord British's uh, uh, alter ego character in the game. Uh, they were doing some big announcement and uh, and uh, he actually got assassinated yeah. uh, by a player. And it wasn't there was supposed to be some sort of block on his character that he couldn't get killed. And there was some sort of glitch that happened. And uh, and he got fucking aced. And I that's hilarious to stuff me. Stuff like that's amazing. I love that. That's that's those yeah. those are the stories. Like there was a there was a there was a um, a virus or something like that, a plague that went throughout WoW years and years ago on accident because someone brought this sickness that they got from a boss on an instance, uh, and it acts it, some glitch allowed them to take it out into the world, and everyone caught it, and it was this instant of, of like. A, a fucking actual plague happening in the spec world. Shit like that is, um, I love it. And that, and, and, yeah. and Eve online is filled with stories like that. And Ultima online is basically, that's the Genesis of all of yes. this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And again, I don't, I, I don't have a lot of personal experience with, it, although it's still running. Uh, it is free to play and it is still going. Uh, so there's no reason I can't hop sort on like, there and give sort it a like try. Greenscape. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And and I mean it's been at this since 1997. Uh it's probably I don't know, it might be the longest running MMORPG of all time at this point. Um but it is it it's just this is kind of a legendary sort of thing for a very specific style of game uh and it's impossible not to include them in this list. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh a company called Broadsword has Broadsword, been yeah. developing it since 2014. Uh, oh gosh, they have had it for amazing. a while. Then. Yeah. Uh, so it was uh, beta and assassinate. God, there's so much wild stuff about this game. It's it's yeah. it's and got I, I, yeah, and, for days. <laughs> and I played it. I mean, I played it on like a pirated server or whatever, and there was just hackers all over the place, and it was never fun. But I would keep trying. <laughs> I would keep fun. trying. It was never fun, but I would try. You know. <laughs> Because uh, I just didn't know what what the fuck I was doing, you know. Sure. For in terms of MMO stuff, I was thirteen. What what am I gonna do? Yeah, exactly. I was like, uh, it was like it was the first one. What the? F- yeah. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. That was that was that's. <laughs> there was a game that was on AOL for a while, and it yeah. was my introduction to the, it. Was Gemstone Three. And it was a text-based RPG, uh, yeah. uh, but it was all, but it was an MMO, and and the idea of playing with people and going on these adventures and stuff like that. I blame my ability to type certain words lightning fast because of that game. Uh, ask me to type in broadsword and I can, I can, it's, it's, it's already done 14 times. Uh, like and shit like that is, and I didn't know right. what the hell I was doing. Uh, but I love that stuff. I, I have fond, fond memories of games like that. That first yeah foray into online gaming i have fond memories of it just weird weird stuff absolutely absolutely i love it i absolutely love it and and ultima online is is the genesis of that it sure is um yeah god damn i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna look into it i'm gonna look i'm in- getting seriously nostalgic for this shit that's that's yeah, really funny you should fire it up see what happens i might have to i might have to give it a try and see see if it see if it uh you know Ticks any of the old. The most recent expansion was in 2015, called Time of Legends. Time of Legends. I mean, honestly, that's that's it's not half bad for. 
how how far away some of these how, how long that game is like the fact that it had one within the past decade is pretty impressive that is yeah all right well that's the end of our show that's it people that's all you get go home go home the movie's <laughs> over movie's over 